Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. And, and they all die. They all eventually <laughs> die. They, they, they don't understand. You know, they think it's easy. They think it's easy. Uh, the problem is they're just not interesting people, any of them. So, it, you know, they're not telling spreader bar stories. And that, Hell you know, no, they're not. Rich Krejci. And you'd start these arguments and be like, ah, that guy's an asshole. Screw him or whatever. And I'm like, well, I got to go see him in like two days. <laughs> like you're out there in Texas all alone, like starting all these fights. I got to meet all these people. I got to be at these shows. I have to do stuff. You're like, ah, whatever. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Easy for you to say. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Are you locked into DePaul Xavier here? I, honestly, I am. Yeah, this is uh, Big Ten basketball. You know, bleeds through these uh, these veins, and I'm uh, I'm oh, going. Oh, oh, Big East, Big East, Big East, Big Ten. <laughs> Not Big Ten. I hate Big Ten basketball with all the fiber of my being. I I apologize. I'm looking at the run sheet. We got Big Ten on there. Uh, so yeah, I have this on here locked in. As you said, I will just assume having not watched college basketball at all this season uh, that Xavier is the number two ranked team in the nation, and that my DePaul Blue Demons are number 10 in the nation, and that is not merely just the reseeding uh, from the Big East tournament. Uh, do not correct me on that. I would like to believe that uh, Mark Aguirre has been reincarnated and DePaul is back, baby. But uh, I, you're going to tell me that's not the case, aren't you? They were 3-17 uh, and 17 in Big East. Well, it's a, t- it's a tough, yeah, tough conference. Ask Patrick Ewing. You know what I mean? Not that easy. So, Very hard. Very hard conference. Thank God. Listen. I don't have to hate Patrick Ewing anymore. Yeah, you can That's go back to thing. liking him as a Georgetown legend, which is, is is probably great for Yes. Everybody can be like, ah, you know who was cool? Patrick Ewing. Remember when he was awesome? It, it was very hard for Georgetown fans because they were very conflicted because he's a he's an awful He's Patrick Ewing, yeah. Awful <laughs> head coach. I mean, just an awful like beyond describably you can't describe how awful he is as a head coach. But he's Patrick Ewing. He's the greatest player in history. Right, he's a god, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and he just he just wasn't 
<laughs> wasn't terrible. good yeah. at the job at all. So now we now we know why he couldn't get an NBA job. Well, and I was I was gonna say because that that was a common thing for it. Ha- it was like ten years where people were like, "When is somebody gonna call Patrick?" And nobody want nobody really said they were like, "Ah, yeah, no, we're yeah, yeah." You know, they they would all kind of dance around it. And then the second he got you know a, a sniff to Georgetown, everybody was like, "Oh, there we go, perfect." That's because nobody wanted to give him a head job in the NBA. So they, everybody was kind of hoping and praying that eventually. Uh, the, you know, somebody was going to come calling in the college ranks, and thankfully they did, and then everybody could just say, okay, now we, and then now we've proven that, well, maybe this is why he sat on the bench of the the Charlotte Bobcats and various other teams for years upon years upon years without ever getting the call, so. I've never seen a head coach in my life anywhere that for six straight years, every year his teams had the same exact problems. I mean, he couldn't fix anything. I mean, for six years, couldn't defend the three. For six years, the worst defensive rotations you'd ever see. I know this is like pretty deep in the, you know, pretty deep in the mud discussing basketball strategy. Yeah, you know, you know what? But, hey, it's March. It's 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 March Madness. Is well, actually, the real March Madness, the Illinois uh, IHSA basketball tournament, is going on right now, sir. So, um, the original, the original March Madness. So it it has begun with March. So it's fine. It, let, let's do it. Let's just do basketball for three hours. Wrestling's, I mean, wrestling's dumb. Vince McMahon's back. Like, you really want to talk about that? Like, no, let's talk about basketball. Worst defensive rotations you'd ever see. Never fixed it in six years. Could never defend the three. Archaic offense. Just never found three-point shooters. Um, just, you know, constant transfers, even by the standards of the transfer portal. Mess, messed up Mac McClung. Messed up Mac McClung. Um, just... And you know that's why you go zero and nineteen in the Big East, and then follow that up by going two and eighteen in the Big East, and follow that up by being fired. It's awful, terrible. Seriously, one of the worst basketball coaches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and you've seen college a lot. You watch a lot of college basketball, so you've seen some atrocious, atrocious coaches over the years. But uh, yeah, he's so bad that the Paul hasn't been the worst team in the Big East. For yeah, like that's years. how you know that he was bad. He's let DePaul uh, actually compete in this uh, conference, which is never ever. And by compete, I mean win three games as opposed to one. But hey, that's competing on on that level. The Georgetown versus DePaul matchup that that is competing. So. Yes, the once mighty Georgetown Hoyas. They went seven and twenty-five this year. Oh, and nineteen in the Big East last year. Just, just awful, awful stuff. But uh, the nightmare is over. They, uh, they finally shit canned him, and I'm on the Rick Pitino train. Let's do it. Let's bring him in. Is I'm he is he still kicking around? And what was it, Iona? Right? Wasn't it Iona? He's still at Iona. They're the they're the number one seed in their conference tournament. <laughs> he keeps doing it, man. Yeah. He, he went to Iona, and they won immediately. His first year there, they went to the tournament. Last year they got they got beaten their conference tournament and they went to the NIT, but they were the number one seed in their in their tournament, and they're the number one seed again this year. Like, look, the guy knows how to coach basketball. Guy, you, you cannot say look, he he might fuck waitresses. <laughs> he might fuck waitresses quickly uh, in in closets, but I mean, whatever. Who cares? And and, and you're not asking he, him to fuck waitresses. You're asking him to coach basketball games. He might be a minute man inside said closet with the waitress. These things are all on court documents and and we're not making any of it up but the guy can coach some basketball yeah so who cares this shit okay so bring him in you know i have a feeling he's gonna go to st john's but you know either way ewing's history couldn't be happier um can go back to not hating him now and uh it's time to just cut the cord on all these john thompson uh, the lineage has look john thompson's been dead for like three years now 
we just got to break away from John Thompson and go outside of the the school and bring in somebody to fix this shit. Maybe, maybe create maybe create a new legacy. Yeah. The fumes of you know 1985 can't live forever. Maybe it's time to, to to move on yeah. a little. I mean, John Thompson the third had a nice run. He went to a Final Four. He went to a couple Sweet Sixteens. Uh, Ewing was a disaster. You know, it's time to go outside the family, so to speak. Now they're looking at Ed Cooley from Providence. He's a good coach. The problem is Ed Cooley's a John Thompson, the third disciple. Mm. I want, I want to get away. You want new. Yeah. New, 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 a whole new thing. New slate, tear it all down, build it back up. I don't even know why Ed Cooley would leave Providence for Georgetown in, in the current state that it's in. <laughs> true. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing to say in high, but uh, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. But for someone who learned under John Thompson the third, the allure there might be, I can restore the greatness of Georgetown that John Thompson created. That might be the allure for someone like Ed Cooley. But I'm not interested. I want to get away from the Thompson fucking fan. I just we need to cut it clean. The man's dead. He's not luminal. Like when he was alive, you had to do what Big John wanted to do. Why? Because he's John Thompson. He tells you to hire a son. You hire a son. He tells you to hire Patrick Ewing, you hire Patrick Ewing. Yeah, because he's John Thompson. But he's he's gone. He's got the statue. Bring in Patino. College basketball intelligence. There it is. Way. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, I uh, don't watch college basketball, so I can't really help you at all. Uh, I can give you Illinois High School basketball intelligence if you'd like, because uh, my alma mater, Downers Grove North High School, in the uh, gone downstate, Joe, as we say, uh, here in Illinois, they are competing this weekend uh, for a chance at the state title. Long, this is the furthest they've ever gotten in their entire lives. This, this right, right now. So even if they lose uh, and don't make it to the actual final itself, this is the the f- furthest they've ever gone. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty fun watching them. Uh, never, ever, ever thought that my high school, <laughs> given the state of the basketball team when I was going there and throughout the years, would ever get to uh, the state finals. But uh, they're they're right on the doorstep here. One more game and they're there. So, is the coach dirty? Is he bringing in guys from? Uh, uh, uh... I don't right, know. That's all I need to hear. That's I don't know. I to <laughs> uh, there's a guy in the chat room who might be able to tell you. He, he knows him a little bit better than I do, but uh, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think it's just a, a situation that all the right pieces and all at the right time. And, you know, these kids, it, it's a whole different animal uh, with, with, with high school basketball these days, especially in Illinois. And I'm sure this is true uh, everywhere else that these kids play with each other since they're like eight years old because they're in AAU teams and all these other teams and, and, and whatnot. So they basically keep the same team together throughout this like all their lives so when they come to high school they're like a machine you know they've been playing with it it's not like you show up for the first day of practice and it's like all right we got to figure out what all these you know what are you guys gonna do it's like no they all know you know they all know what everyone's good at they all know each other they all know what they want to do or whatever so you know they've all kind of filtered in through different aau programs uh throughout the year so that kind of helps a little bit as opposed to yeah you know you you try out for the team and you show up and it's like all right what does this guy do what does that guy do like the coaches pretty much know what everybody does and, and and how to you know best you know suits the team around them so well here's the thing i'm all about dirty basketball coaches particularly if they're italian which is why i say bring in rick <laughs> rick i own his own rick what do you mean dirty well now you can be dirty legally so uh yeah but listen rick patino disavowed hooking up the recruits with strippers at louisville he says he had nothing to do with it <laughs> all right i forget because they threw that other guy under the bus, right? The guy that like arranged the strippers. Like, yeah, it was that guy. Yeah. And only that guy. We all went, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> we just showed cool. them the facilities and the classrooms. 
quite frankly, I believe Patino when he says he didn't know about that. And, uh, you know, so uh, I say bring him in. <laughs> if you believe him, that's a, that's a good enough for me. What would college basketball be without sleazy Italian head coaches? Who cheat? Well, I'll tell you I the mean, Big East. The Big East wouldn't be uh, – I wouldn't be watching the Big East tournament on FS1 right now. I'll tell you that much. No, you would not. No, you would not. That's right. Okay. Those oh the slime balls that were run in the Big East. You've seen the third. I'm sure I'm I'm positive you've probably watched a hundred times. Uh, the thirty for thirty on the Big East. Sir, I lived it. I was gonna say yeah. You, not only did you live it, but it's just like you, you see these and every next guy, you're just like oh, like look at that guy. It's like you know, he's, it's like a guy with like you know, thick rimmed glasses. Like they're like dark tinted lenses with slicked back hair with a little bit hey, of you know salt and pepper in it and you're like oh now with who the is Italian, that guy <laughs> watch out i don't want to hear italian discrimination that's here. not a, that's what all the guys were every single one of them was that all right i'm just saying don't, don't get what? don't send vinnie massaro on me he i'm just you know i, I you know did, did raleigh massimino do things a little underhand? Maybe. <laughs> his name was raleigh massimino <laughs> PJ there's Carlis- nothing, there's nothing PJ I can Car- do. Did, did, did PJ Carlissimo get in a little bit of hot water? Okay, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rick Patino, in fact, was at Providence uh, for a while. Yeah, listen. Now, Jim Beheim, he wasn't Italian, but we all he's been running Oh, he's the biggest slime for, ball of them all, yeah. For 50 years, he's been running a dirty program. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you got to do what you got to do at the college level. So, and, and at this point, I'm willing to do what I got to do. Fucking 13 wins in two years. I <laughs> can't handle it. Yeah, it can't happen. Uh, DePaul's still up. Still up here. So, uh, I, I listen, I'll revive Jerry Tarkanian and bring him in. If <laughs> the I shark. Don't yeah, get him out there. Yeah. Chew some towels. Yeah, that, that was a guy who just the, the most blatant cheating possible. It was like, ah, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> you can't do that. What are you doing? You can't do what you're doing. Ah, whatever. I need to care. You know, just driving around finding guys in prison leagues and stuff yeah, come on come on hey listen they games. can ball hey those guys could ball who gives a shit you know win games you know. <laughs> and he did yeah they'll take the wins away later but nobody cares who cares <laughs> nobody, really... yeah flags fly forever man they don't give a shit so. yeah they, yeah nobody cares because like reggie bush later. and that that team like technically didn't win right did they even take that one away they took his heisman away right yeah they took his heisman away i know they took away John Calipari's final four at Memphis, but like, no oh, one I'm cares. sure. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Yeah, everybody no remembers Derrick Rose lighting everybody up and having a great run, and nobody gives a shit that they took it away. So we all watched the games. <laughs> right, they happened. Okay, you can't you can't take away games. You know, they only try that dopey shit in college. It doesn't work. Um, you know, they were saying uh, they should take away the Houston Astros World Series. There, there were proponents of that a few years ago with the banging on the trail. Listen, we all watched the games. If you cheat and get away with it, it's too late. You can punish after the fact. You can't take away wins and championships. Nobody buys it. You can't do it. Uh, Jordan Smith in Dodo's chat room with this says, uh, Tark with the all-time great quote, quote, the NBA is so mad at Kentucky, they're going to give Cleveland State another year of probation. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. Tarkanian was fantastic. He's, he rules. He's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, ruled, uh, he, I guess. Yeah. He he's... worked his way into... Uh, did you ever get around to watching Winning Time or no? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so there was a little Tark arc there was in, in Winning tark. Time. Yeah, there was a little Tark. I, I, a little Tark arc. I kind of knew it was coming, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. They did a good job with yeah. that. You knew once like they read up, because I don't know if those guys actually, the guys that were writing it actually knew anything about Tarkanian or whatever. But once yeah. you read about the guy's life, you're like, oh, we got to figure out a way to get him in what, this. Like, we got to figure out a way to get him in this. What did you end up thinking of Winning Time? Um, 
so-so. Here's my thought. I wanted to like it more than I did. I think if you approach it from the standpoint of they're going to get the broad strokes correct. Right. But it's also going to be a television show meant for entertainment. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're going to dissect it for every little detail and nitpick it, you're never going to enjoy it. Right. And that so that what I actually did is I um so I initially when it first came out I watched like half of the first episode and was like, "Ah, yeah, you know, but the NBA history buff in me was like, "Ah, that's wrong." I, you know, I, I watched it by myself and I was like, "This is dumb." So then like 3 or 4 months later, I think when the show actually finished up and all the episodes were out or whatever, uh, the nurse and I watched it and I just, I put it on for her and I, I didn't want to be that guy who was like, ah, you know what? Yeah. That's not actually how it happened or whatever, you know, cause that's like, she doesn't want it, that me to be like, actually magic Johnson did this. And then, you know, I, she didn't want that. So, but it was nice then. Cause I just kind of sat back and watched it and, and sort of was entertained that. Cause yeah, that, that's the best way to do it. If you understand sports history and you understand that Lakers team and all that sort of stuff, you're going to be annoyed by a lot of the stuff that's in there. That's just blatantly false or, 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 or played up for, uh, you know, for, for, for different purposes or whatever, but it, it worked out a lot better just sitting back and saying, you know what, whatever, just, just watch it, enjoy it. Don't worry about, don't get hung up on that stuff. And, and ultimately I, I, I liked it. I didn't think it was like as good as I was hoping it was going to be, but I, it was still solid. It was still okay. They made everyone a caricature instead of a character, which if you understand that coming in, you'll like it just fine. They dialed everybody up to 10, you know, Kareem was just everyone's worst. Everyone's worst <laughs> traits. Were right, Kareem, up Kareem is sitting, you know, in a yoga position on a rock, you know, <laughs> yelling and just just ignoring everybody. You know what I mean? Magic's right. just banging everything that moves. Well, that's kind of that was probably actually uh, uh, truthful. But yeah, Jerry West is just like a deranged <laughs> lunatic. Which you know, again, they weren't that. We're talking just up to ten. That's all. Yeah, yeah. We're we're also talking late seventies, early eighties. Like that, not not that up to ten. You know what I mean? They didn't have to go. It's not like they had to pump these guys up that much. Most of these guys were pretty close to there. But uh, but yeah, it's a, fuck yeah, boss. I mean, geez, you don't have to do that much to 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 you know boost him up a little bit more. That's about his life too. So uh, no, I mean, I, I, it was all right. It, it was fine. I, I event like I still in the back of my mind was like, ah, oh, that's not how. Yeah, that's not how a little world was or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but ultimately, I I, I enjoyed it. But. Yeah, it's fine. I think that the the casting from a physical standpoint was incredible. Oh, the Jerry West guy just blew me away. Oh my god! I mean, they, oh Magic they, they too. Really, Hell, Magic did too. A bunch. Everybody, you go up and down. Even the the bit player, like they just really nailed the casting from like the Larry Bird guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's hard to find a, a dude that looks like Larry Bird because it's a fucking Larry Bird. You know what I mean? That's one of the ugliest men that ever walked. <laughs> right, like there's yeah. not a whole lot of people walking around Hollywood that look like Larry Bird because it's not just that they look like him. You could probably roam the streets and eventually find somebody that kind of sort of kind of looks like Larry Bird or whatever. But then to have it be an actor, that's that's not easy. So they were able to find people that could act that also looked like fucking Larry Bird, which is just impossible to think about that. You got a one in a million chance and said, yeah, that's our guy. And that he looked as, as, as close as he did. So you're, you're right. That that was a testament to that show for sure. They're following up again, aren't they? Aren't they doing another season? Oh, I didn't even know they were. OK. All right. That could be old information, but I think they're uh, there was interest in doing another season and that, and that they're working on. It. I'll watch it again. You know, it was it was fine. Um what do we got here on this uh, flagship podcast? Well, the right? flagship, yeah. We were gonna we we almost, we got close. We got close to doing three hours of uh, 
of hoops talk here, but uh, we will have to uh, get to the flagship. So, yeah, we got plenty going on uh, tonight on the flagship podcast. We'll talk about the revolution, AEW Revolution Fallout. Uh, we did obviously our full review of AEW Revolution, uh, which we called one of the best pay per views ever. Uh, we did that uh, instant reaction live immediately following Revolution on Sunday. So, you can go back and listen to that about. I don't know, two hours and 15 minutes, two and a half hours, somewhere around there, uh, recapping the entire show, match by match, every single moment, every single thing, uh, uh, in excruciating detail, as you're always going to get uh, from us. That is at uh, flagshippatreon.com. Uh, Instant Reaction Live, $10 tier, by the way, if you want to listen uh, to that. So we're not going to go with a full show review, but we're going to talk about a little bit, uh, you know, some of the things that, you know, on the fallout of it, you know, what happened this week on Dynamite, a little bit of some other uh, nuts and bolts uh, stuff with the show. Uh, we're going to check in with New Japan Pro Wrestling, obviously, the New Japan Cup uh, going on right now. So uh, we've watched some of the matches so far. Uh, also, they had their 51st anniversary show in the middle of the New Japan Cup. So we'll talk about that, including a, uh, a big time main event with uh, Tanahashi and Okada going for the tag team titles. Uh, we'll check in with Dragon Gate. They had a big weekend in Osaka. Uh, that we'll talk about their champion gate in Osaka night one and night two. Uh, I am going to I'm going to do a very dangerous thing later in the show, Joe. I am going to recommend a Joshi match to you, okay? I have one that's a, a, a stone cold lock it in recommendation. And then two, if you have time, you're not going to watch them. I know you're not, but I'm just going to at least put them out there for you. Okay. So we're to do that later. And, and I, you know, I, you know, I don't do this often and people always say, why don't you guys talk Joshi? You guys should watch Joshi. And like, I, I watch a lot of it. I do, but you got to filter stuff to you. I, we can't. People have ruined it for too long with you and Joshi, where every single person sent every single Joshi match to you and said, Joe, you'll love this Joshi match. This is the one. And, and you hate it. And you hate them all. And now it's it, 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 it's gotten to the point where I have all these different prerequisites that I have to go through before I can say, OK, Joe, I think you should watch this one. I think you should watch this match. And I have one match uh, from a recent stardom show that I think you should watch. So I'll do that later. But um, going to try to write so, the wrongs, write the wrongs of other people. I have so much to watch. <laughs> you gotta give me. it a try. I'm telling you, one match to give it a try. I think it's like 18 minutes long. Is this going to be some Tokyo Joshi Pro <laughs> girl with a raccoon tail? No, nope. I can't. Uh, I don't know if there was any visible tails. Uh, nobody was an idol or a fallen idol. They don't do the little annoying idol wave. I don't think there the was any idol waves or peace little, signs. With the little peace signs. Yeah, I, like I don't think so. Uh, I don't even think there were skirts in this. I know that that uh, that that affects you too. Uh, I don't think there was any skirts. Um, no mermaids. Nobody had magical powers or anything. So I, 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 I again, I go through like it's like a twenty-five piece checklist here. And I know all your things. I know exactly the idol wave, the peace sign, the, the the and I think I got it. Now you did say do they scream a lot and do meteoras? Well, they scream a lot and they do throw some meteoras, but that's fine. That's besides the point. It's okay. It's okay. Any cross-eyed arigato? Any of that? Uh, no, 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 no. God. All right. I mean, one, one stone cold recommendation, and two if you have time. But I understand that you're not going to watch those other two that I mentioned. But just one stone cold lock, you got to you got to watch it. So we'll talk about that uh, uh, later as well. I will tell you that in the chat room they're booing because we're talking about wrestling now. They oh well, no, they just want basketball talk and and not off topic. They don't want any wrestling. Well, they're I don't blame them. I mean, wrestling's kind of I don't know, kind of stinks, you know, right? 
The paw holding on by the seat of his hands. <laughs> it's not going well. It is. Every time I look up, a man on Xavier is flexing while people high five him. And I'm like, oh no. They're popping their jerseys. <laughs> yeah, they're I'm flexing. Like, oh no, what's happening? Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm focused on our show and I look over and some guy's going, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and guys are smacking him in the chest. And I'm like, uh oh. That can't after, be good. <laughs> after completing another alley oop, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. DePaul's wearing blue. Xavier's wearing white, and I'm seeing a lot of white uh, jerseys celebrating over there. That's not great. We're at the we're at the under four, so this is the final <laughs> countdown. This is the this is the Europe. So here we go. You know, we'll see uh, if they can move on. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, of course, we are going to talk about WWE uh, at the top here. We're going to talk about two different things with WWE. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Wells Fargo. Uh, they had some anal- uh, analysts uh, that were talking about the potential of SmackDown being renewed by Fox. Uh, and then later, a Murdoch. I, what is it? Lachlan? Lachlan? Is it Lachlan? This uh, Fox of America CEO, Lachlan Murdoch. Uh, he talked about the Fox WWE relationship as well. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, discuss those quotes because uh, there's some interesting stuff in there, some interesting nuggets. And, uh, well, it all kind of relates to, I suppose, um, Vince McMahon. Uh, he is back again. Uh, every single step of the way we've had, obviously, ousted in July uh, for allegedly allowing himself and various colleagues uh, to sexually assault uh, employees up and down the company for years upon years, uh, unchecked, uh, so that he was ousted for, uh, then eventually comes back in December, initiates a coup to take over the board of directors and get himself back uh, to being reinstalled as the executive chairman of the board. That works. He's able to do that. That is no problem. Okay, sure. He says, I need to do it for us to have strategic alternatives for a sale or whatever. Okay, cool. He does that. Stephanie then leaves. That's his daughter and the wife of the head of creative, Paul uh, Triple H Levesque, by the way, in case you didn't know, Stephanie McMahon married to uh, uh, Triple H and also the daughter of uh, Vince. She decides, I'm going to resign. I'm out of here. And she's been a ghost. We don't know. She's just gone. She's just gone in the ether. Nobody asks a question about her or anything. No, it's fine. Just gone. Whatever. The life, her life's goal to be, you know, take over the, her father's company. She's just gone in a, in a blink of an eye. Nobody asked a question about it. That's fine. All right, cool. Whatever. Uh, but now, hey, Vince McMahon is back. He sat in the gorilla position this week on Raw. He was backstage uh, at Raw. Uh, we were told by various sources that, oh, no, no, he didn't have a headset on, and he had nothing to do with the show itself. He was just visiting his friend, John Cena. Now, of course, Vince McMahon has a private jet, so I feel like there's plenty of opportunities to go visit your friend John Cena, but uh, he chose to visit his friend John Cena uh, backstage at uh, Raw this week. And uh, yeah, so he was back, and the lead story from uh, most wrestling websites was that he has a mustache. So, uh, Joe, what do you make of Vince McMahon's mustache? Let's talk about that. The (laughs) sex pest has a mustache. How funny. I mean, I don't give a fuck about the mustache, but <laughs> um, I couldn't believe it. That th- Monday was another day where I thought I was taking crazy pills again, where Vince McMahon, who, <laughs> again, initiated a coup after being ousted for rampant alleged sexual assaults uh, by him and his and, and various other, uh, you know, of his colleagues, uh, two employees of the company and using his own personal money for hush funds. So he was ousted for that, comes back via a coup using the board of directors and Barrios and his fucking clown car. You know, uh, Barrios and Wilson is, is, is just pawns in his and game you're, or whatever. Yeah you're, you're, yeah, you're leaving out the part where they voted no to bring him back. <laughs> so, so his response to that was, okay, fine. Since I'm in charge, I'm going to replace all the no votes with people that will vote yes. 
and uh, ousted uh, the, the people who voted no and, and inserted people who would vote yes. And all that remains realized what, you know, your Triple H's and your Stephanie McMahon's and your Nick Cons and all that remains uh, from the old board that voted no, realized the writing was on the wall and they had no choice. And then uh, with the insertion of people like Barry and Wilson back into the fold, uh, they then voted unanimously to bring him back. Right. Yes. Again, a question he, that has never been asked to Paul Levesque of, you know, why'd you say no? And then said yes, but uh, regardless, or, hey, where is your wife? <laughs> why did she leave the company that she's worked for her entire life uh, in, a, in a fit of a clear fit was, of rage? <laughs> yeah, the, the wife who was forced out by Vince uh, came back after he was ousted and then promptly left again when he came back. There, there's nothing fishy there at all. <laughs> nothing weird. Uh, no, nothing that should deserves a follow up or any sort of. But uh, yeah. What's so the, what's the meme of the Iraqi general? There's nothing to see here. <laughs> right, right? Right. Just, Isn't that Saddam? I always thought it was Saddam. Is it not Saddam? It's not Saddam. It's, it's a, not it's one of his. Oh. No, nah, it's one of his underlings. Oh, OK. You know, and he's like, there's nothing. To, the guy with the glasses. Colonel Mustafa. Yeah. Colonel Mustafa. Right. Uh, yes, sure. <laughs> the Iron Sheik. Sure. Yeah. Colonel Mustafa, that's exactly who it was. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, um, so, so, yeah, again, nothing to see here. No no problem. Uh, so, yeah, he comes back to Raw. And, yeah, the lead story on, on most wrestling websites was uh, he has a mustache. Haha, which is just, again, another day where I'm thinking I'm taking crazy pills because I'm like, uh, I think there's a pretty big story here, guys, that Vince McMahon is fucking backstage at the company. Like, in Gorilla, you know, no, he doesn't. Oh, source is close to the situation. Say he does not have a headset on. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, all right. Well, y- 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 okay. First of all, let's get this out there. WWE PR is stronger and more aggressive than they've ever been in their history, and that is in large part to Nick Khan. Nick Khan has inserted his own PR people into the company. And in particular, one of the PR people that he's inserted into the company is very aggressive when it when it comes to reaching out to and being communicative with uh, various news sites and getting that PR messaging out there. Um, Nick Khan himself, okay, for all of his talk about how they don't pay attention to the internet and they just have blinders on and uh, and 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 they just go about their business. Uh, don't let that talk fool you either. Nick Khan has an ongoing dialogue with certain members of the wrestling media as well. And uh, their PR is as strong as it's ever been, stronger than it's ever been as a result. And, that, and that's a result of Nick Khan, who uh, knows how to play those sorts of games. Which is smart as hell, by the uh, way, for the which record. Is smart as hell. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's what they do, which is why sometimes you'll see wrestling stories particularly centering around Vince McMahon that very quickly, sometimes within an hour or a couple of hours, there are follow-ups that really soften those stories or, or, or post them in a more WWE friendly light. Uh, for example, it breaks that Vince McMahon is at raw. The news sites all break this not long after uh, we are then all told, Oh, well he's there just visiting John Cena. We're then told later that night, oh, well, he was in Gorilla. That's true, but he never had a headset on. He was never giving uh, directives to any of the talent. Or uh, and, and Triple H was, was, was still in charge of the show. Um, you know, there was a report a couple of weeks ago that, that some of the wrestlers uh, felt like Vince had another hand in creative. And, you know, within an hour, again, a follow-up report. Oh, well, other sources say that that's just not true. Sources who would know say that that's not true. 
This is WWE PR hard at work because it is very advantageous to WWE that Vince's role, influence, however you want to term it, is downplayed as much as possible. One, for the benefit of the sale, because they said he would stay hands off and he's just there to uh, facilitate the sale. And number two, and don't underestimate this reason at all. It is very advantageous for WWE to get the messaging out that Paul Levesque, the savior who all of their fans have rallied around. The good one. The good one is still firmly and totally in control. Okay. Because their fans have rallied around that. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Vince McMahon is shadow running creative in the company. What I am going to tell you is I am not naive. If you don't think Vince McMahon has influence on the creative, you're out of your fucking minds. And in fact, WWE, if, if anyone's paying attention, hasn't even denied that. What we keep hearing from what are obvious PR fed statements, what we keep hearing is Vince does speak to Paul. Mm-hmm. I but, think Paul even said that at one point. I yeah, believe. and Paul said, they're telling you. <laughs> they're telling you. But then it's always followed up by the but. You know, Paul has final say. And I'm not even telling you that that necessarily isn't true. Okay? Here's another thing I'm going to tell you. That if you think Vince McMahon came to Boston for Raw simply to hang out with John Cena, okay, and uh, he was just hanging out in Gorilla by happenstance. This yeah. is Paul Levesque's show. Again, you're extremely naive. Let me put this together for you. We all know that John Cena and Vince McMahon are very tight, very close friends. Right. The first time we saw Vince in public after the ouster, it was going out to dinner with John Cena. Remember? Uh, For, I believe John it was Cena. Vince's birthday or Vince's Cena's birthday. birthday. Yeah. I forget whose birthday. It was Vince's birthday, right? Yes, correct. Uh, they're friends. They're tight. Uh, Austin Theory was Vince McMahon's project before he had to resign in shame for his sexual misdeeds. Alleged. Who's wrestling each other at WrestleMania, Rich? Um, hmm, I believe uh, one Austin Theory and John Cena are wrestling one another at WrestleMania. Where did they shoot the first angles for that WrestleMania match? Where and when? Uh, I believe it was at this week's Raw when uh, Vince McMahon with a mustache was there. And wouldn't you have it, this was the Raw that Vince McMahon Ah. showed up to. If you don't think that Vince McMahon is heavily involved in the creative of the John Cena-Austin Theory match at WrestleMania. I'm sorry, but you're an idiot. That's very clearly why he was there. His pal, his pet project, I'm sure Cena wants him involved. And wouldn't you know it, he shows up at Raw. Gosh, God, gee golly whiz, unbelievable. Just to visit his pal. <laughs> what a coincidence, he, what a coincidence. Who he, can, who he can literally visit any other time. <laughs> he has a has. private jet. <laughs> I mean, you don't even need inside information. You don't need to be fucking Sherlock Holmes to put this one together. Okay? It's his pal. The Hardy Boys. It's you don't his... need to be the Hardy Boys. Not the wrestling Hardy Boys. The other Hardy Boys. Yeah, the other Hardy Boys. I used to read them in third grade. <laughs> they could have gotten to the bottom of this one for sure. Menlo Park School Library. The Hardy Boys <laughs> books. 
And uh, checked out I, by Joe Lanza every time. I check out the Hardy Boys mystery books, and I would check out the uh, the, 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 the these great books that were the history of each NFL franchise. <laughs> I was gonna say Sports Illustrated. <laughs> so I'd be like, and they were published, and the history wasn't long because these books were published in like 1971. <laughs> it's like the Kansas City Chiefs are an unstoppable force. <laughs> we'll never yeah. be with Lamar Hunt at the wheel. <laughs> or not, not Lamar Hunt. Yeah, Lamar Hunt. Right. Yeah. Who was the? Yeah. Who's Lamar the, Hunt. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, you know, if John Madden keeps this up, he's going to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. Right. So if you wonder where, you know, if the Minnesota Vikings come up and I'm bringing up Joe cap and you wonder why that's why. (laughs) Okay. Because that's the shit I was reading when I was in third grade. Um, no, but yeah, you know, that's, that's why he was there. And, but their PR is going to make sure that they reach out to these news sites and get their version of it out. And I'm going to say something else too. And um, I don't want to take credit for this because this is something that uh, Jesse Collings, Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, new on the network. Right? Yep, Rich new, on the vo- new on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network, the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, hosted by Jesse Collings, again here on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network. This is a point he's made to me privately when we chat a million times, and I'm sure he said it on the air either on his podcast or, or WrestleNomics where he's a co-host um, and, and he's a real journalist. Like that's his job by trade. Okay. And one thing that he has said to me repeatedly is um, one thing that some wrestling journalists need to learn is if the public relations department of any of these various promotions tell you something as a journalist, you should be saying that in your story. You should, in other words, you should not term that as, WWE sources tell us. Yeah, or sources close to the situation or or, or anyway, yeah, right, sources right, close right. to the situation, people who would know any of those for any any kind of phraseology like that is is the wrong thing to do in that scenario because if you're getting it from PR because PR's job is to put positive spins on these things. Right. They're not going to give you bad news. You're right. very rarely going to get bad news from a, a company-owned PR department. Well, their job is to spin it positively and to put it in the best positive light. So if you're going to reach out to PR departments and get information from PR people, and this is something that Jesse always hammers home, you need to make that – in your report, you need to say, according to WWE PR – Vince McMahon was not, and then you say whatever it is that they right, told. Right, right, right. Because when you phrase it as a WWE source, that could be anybody. That could that be a wrestler, can, uh, a writer, people, uh, whatever. It could be anyone. And who are people naturally going to connect it to? Someone that's in the office, a wrestler. They're not going to assume that came from a PR person whose job it is to spin and downplay everything. Right. That's why it's important to note when you get information from someone in PR that it came from PR because that's much different than getting down low information from an unnamed source who's leaking you the goods. That's completely different and has a completely different connotation to your reader or your listener. And I can tell you, WWE PR is very aggressive right now. It is very advantageous for them for multiple reasons that I've already laid out to downplay any influence Vince has in that company, other than the stated reason that he's back, which is helping to facilitate the sale. 
And they don't even call it a sale. Facilitate the strategic whatever the hell. Strategic alternatives or whatever the yeah. heck. Yeah, whatever the heck they're calling it. And it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Okay. And you know it. The thing is, too, like we all know it. Like we all know the signs. Like, and and, and we know when Vince is. It, we've watched this stuff long enough. Like, and, and if you haven't, then 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 we're gonna lay out some of the things right here. Like you said, we're we're not dumb. We we know that he's involved in the John Cena Austin theory thing. Like, come on, he just is. We we. I mean, there, there's no way he's not. I mean, it's just. And then also on this run, I know that Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer talked about on the Wrestling Observer Radio. There was a lot of weird things that were on this particular Raw that hadn't been on Raw for a very long time. Chad Gable, all of a sudden, short again. Right? Weird. He hasn't been short in eight months or a year or whatever. Uh, He's short again. Chad Gable's short. Johnny Gargano, he's also short, and he's a comic book nerd. Yeah, it's... And a a lot of these things could absolutely be happenstance, but it is absolutely fair to make that connection. Yeah, well, and again... From the horses, here is Paul Triple H Levesque in February of 2023. He says here, I want to reiterate just how excited I am and how much fun I'm having in my role as chief content officer. I also want to add that having Vince McMahon around has been great. I will tell you this. It has allowed me and allowed me to speak for our entire creative team, but we're standing on the shoulders of giants. So having him back and involved even at just the board level, comes with his incredible insight. He is a tremendous asset to this company. This is the best time of the year. We've kicked off the road to WrestleMania. It's an amazing moment for WWE, and I look forward to continuing to build the business alongside this leadership team for the long term. So he's telling you that he's there, right? They're not even hiding it. He's saying it. He says, I'll tell you this. It has allowed me. I, I also want to add that having Vince around has been great. Then adds, even at just the board level, you know, I, I, but even at just the board level. So having him back and involved, even at just the board level, comes with his incredible insight. And we're going to pretend that this guy just pops in and goes, oh, no, 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 no. Hey, how's it going, guys? How's you doing, pal? I got to go. Hi, John. How are you? Okay, bye. I got to go. You know, why what, are you pretending? What would, <laughs> what, would what? Be the, what would be the point of his presence if he truly didn't have his hands in the cookie jar because he knows that's going to kick up a shitstorm. He knows that's going to raise questions. He knows people are going to question that. So why even do it unless you needed to be in the room right. with your good friend, John Cena and your pet project theory to help put together their WrestleMania uh, built. I mean, you know, and look, I don't know anything. I don't have any inside information, uh, but if you're asking me, uh, based on you know what I'm seeing, what they're telling us directly, and the extent and the type of spin that their PR and that Nikon is putting out, I'm very confident in saying that I don't have any doubts that Vince McMahon is involved in creative. I, I mean, they're literally telling us that anyway. I mean, you know, but they have to downplay it. They have to. Because Paul being in charge has been an incredible boon to the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to the uh, uh, for for their their fan base is just you know there's a there's a palpable excitement and energy in their fan base they rally around Paul Levesque and it's gotten to the point now where anything good on the show they attribute to Paul right right. Anything bad they don't like, oh, well, that that seems like it might be Vince. 
I have news for people. I don't know. Listen, again, I don't know who needs to hear this. Ugh. It's Vince's company. Yeah. He runs shit. He, can he do owns what he wants. 80% of the stock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's a very much in charge. Very much so in charge. So, again, when their PR and when Nick Khan tell people that, oh, but ultimately Paul has final say. No, he doesn't. The guy who runs the company has final say. Always. Right. The guy who, when people said, hey, we don't really want you back, said, oh, it actually, fuck all of you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, motherfuckers. He, you're out. You're out. You're out. Get the fuck out of here. These two are in. I'm back. <laughs> like, he so has the final say. Me, that sounds like the final say, Joe, to me. Yeah. So if you're telling me that Vince wants a finish, he's not going to get it? Now, again, that doesn't mean I'm telling you that Vince is coming up with every finish. That doesn't mean that I'm telling you that Paul is just a willing puppet. Oh, of and course. Yeah. No, no, no. Of course not. No power. I don't want people to misunderstand me. Okay. Do I do I think Levesque is, is largely driving the cart still? Probably. Oh, and do he's I, probably and he's definitely the customer facing and the probably the wrestling facing guy that, yeah. that's in there. But I have no doubt that a conference call happens in a week or, 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 or during the week that Vince McMahon's looped into. You know what I mean? Like the, no and, no doubt in my mind. And I have no doubt in my mind that if Vince feels strongly enough about a finish, he's gonna get it. It's going to go his it's way. It's still his company and his, 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 yeah, it's his company. I mean, that's the I easiest don't think way people I can put understand it. that. People are always like, oh, well, Vince won't come back or he can't come back. Vince can do whatever the fuck <laughs> Vince he wants. Vince can't come back. He did. <laughs> he can do whatever he fucking wants. He can literally do whatever he wants. Okay. He could sign off on sale tomorrow. He could change any finish of any match, he could change the direction of any storyline. At his whims, Paul has no say. Paul's holding on for dear life. Brandon Thurston asked Paul about the sale, and Paul was like, "Well, I hope the people who buy it still want me around." <laughs> he, he's, you know, he's got his no say of anything. <laughs> I mean, that's paraphrased, but that's basically what he said. Hey, look, I don't get involved in that. I just hope whoever buys it, you know, still, uh, I hope that I can still be in it. Yeah, he, he, he's not charged anything. In reality. See, this is Vince tipping his toes back in the water, seeing how it goes. And, and I'm going to tell you how it went. It went great. It went great, Rich, because everyone just shared the PR. Nobody pushed back. Dave Meltzer pushed back a little on audio when he said, ah, well, you know, he was in Gorilla and he didn't have a headset, but he, he, let's be honest here. You know, like, let's connect the dots. We know what's happening here. You know why? Because people can shit on Dave all they want. This man's been at it for almost 50 years. He knows. Oh, he used to talk to Vince McMahon regularly. He, he knows, knows the that, game. He knows. he knows the game. He's going to get those same little PR messages and text messages from Nick Khan and everybody else getting, and he's just going to take them for the grain of salt they are. Because he knows. Okay? And we know. He ain't there visiting John Cena. Who? Come on. The only people who believe that are people who want to believe that. That's all. It's nonsense. Can I put my uh, my galaxy brain hat on again like I did last week for MLW? 
Yeah, and you were right about that. Go yeah, ahead. I was right about that, by the way. <laughs> they did do an amended uh, thing and said, hey, they kicked us off because of Peacock. So again, I, my Galaxy Brain thing was more that he knew that was coming and signed with them, which I still think is true because there's no way he got that lucky. that. But regardless, all right, well, that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, the mustache. Do you think Vince did that on purpose, knowing that that would be the focal point that people would laugh at? You know what? I wouldn't put it past him because he's smart. Like we, he's dumb about wrestling because he hates it. You know what I mean? He, he's. Yeah. We have never on the show called him a dumb businessman or 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 a dumb executive. We have no. said he's dumb at at wrestling because he fucking hates it. He despises yeah. it. So he likes to do whatever the opposite of what wrestling is because he fucking cannot stand wrestling. It's the only thing he's ever good at, and it destroys him inside. That that's the only thing he's ever been good at. Vastly overrated creative minds, excellent businessman. Right. Never said anything about it. And I think he's a smart guy overall. I think he shows up with that mustache knowing that that is what people are going to talk about afterwards. It's, it's possible. Because why would I he mean, get a mustache? He's fucking Vince McMahon. He's what, 78 years old. What the hell is Vince McMahon at this point? 79, 78? So he's 77. He sorry. 79. So he's 78 this year? Or he, turns- he will be 78 in August. Okay, so he turns 78 this yeah. year. Man has you never know, had a mustache, ever. <laughs> you know, Rick Pitino is only 70 years old. Higher, higher Pitino. Um, <laughs> is he really 70 years old, man? Oh, man. Rick Pitino, yeah. Uh, a lot of years ahead of him, Rich. Okay, <laughs> sure. He, he can turn this thing around. Um, yeah, he's turned 78 this year. Um, no, I don't – listen. I <laughs> – it's possible. Anything's possible. And it worked. If it, if it wasn't his plan, it fucking worked. It worked to it did, a T. Yeah, but again, yeah. this is a guy who have you you've never have you ever seen him with stubble? Think of all the times you've watched Vince McMahon in the last 40 years of your life. Well, he has an aversion to facial hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm so silly he just shows up to Raw. Who who was it that told the story? You know what? I think you're right, because it was Paul who told the story that uh, he he or somebody else asked Vince why he never had a beard. And Vince said, I can't let the beard win, which is why he shaves obsessively. Oh, that's like right. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. I forget. Yeah, I think it was Paul that said that story that he wouldn't even put over facial hair because yeah. he, he's such a control freak that the idea that he can't control that hair emerges from his body. Right. So he shaves it like crazy, like constantly. So his quote was, I cannot let the beard win. And that's why he's never had facial hair. But now all of a sudden, <laughs> just saying. He, he shows up like Errol Flynn with a little pencil mustache <laughs> at the fucking raw taping. It doesn't make sense. Right? Just it saying. doesn't add up. I know, but he won. If that's what is, if that wasn't his goal, a monumental success because the story was he has a mustache. <laughs> How wild it was and not here's an alleged sex pest that's now back in stage running around like with employees again. Like, what are we doing? But, you know, yeah. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> I love at this point, you don't even bury me for my old references like Errol Flynn. No, that's fine. No, because that who would you what, what's a contemporary mustache that you could bring up that was like that mustache? That that was a golden age of Hollywood mustache. That wasn't a modern mustache. Yeah, it's a Clark Gable mustache. <laughs> right, yeah, you what, what, what? Yeah, <laughs> if you said Errol Flynn or Clark Gable, like we're not getting closer to the time period. Like, who is a contemporary guy with that sort of mustache? Nobody. Errol Errol Flynn, who died in 1959. By the way. <laughs> right. When did Clark Gable uh, die? He, he lasted a little longer, right? Clark Gable. Uh, according to Wiki, 1960. <laughs> okay, not so. much longer, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, like you couldn't use a modern reference. Even if you used Burt Reynolds, I would push back against that. That's not a Burt Reynolds mustache. No, 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 no. It's not a big, manly, bushy. No, it's a Clark Gable, Errol Flynn, like a Golden Age Hollywood mustache. Yeah, he didn't get the 1980s mustache. Like, he didn't get the porn stash. He got the 1930s Hollywood star, like, little pencil mustache is what he is, is what's being reported. Um, which might be all he can stand, being that he can't let the facial hair win. <laughs> right, right. Right. The psychopath that he is, who who can't let facial hair win and despises sneezing because uh, again it's something he can't control, right? Sneeze involuntary. Yeah. Oh yeah. He hates, um, hates it. Yeah. Uh, Note of Sharon brings up John Waters, which would have been a good. That's I guess, a good one. Is that modern? I guess it's modern-ish. It, for you, it's it, modern. Let's be honest. For modern. you, it's pretty modern. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with history, sir. Um, <laughs> Joe Cap and Errol Flynn in the first half hour of the. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know how many times I read that history of the Vikings and had to read about Joe Cap. <laughs> so, you know, you probably led the league with uh, like four passing touchdowns, right? Like, you know, I don't know. Six hundred uh, yards and four touchdowns. One of the <laughs> one of the top gunslingers in the NFL, <laughs> Joe Cap. <laughs> Yeah. Until Fran Tarkenton destroyed all those records yeah, with his right. five thousand yards passing in a year or whatever. So Yeah, I don't know if he ever hit five, but Yeah, I don't even know if he did either. That's a Dave Meltzer response. I don't mean to get pedantic on your little side comment there, but um I guess yeah, that's I, a lot of yards. That's a lot of yards. Yeah, you didn't five thousand. Yeah, you didn't have a lot of yards. That's, didn't have that many yards. that's like twenty tens numbers, right? Like yeah. 5, yeah. Um, five thousand maybe but, his career, but <laughs> Uh, Tarkenton, uh, he he was the all-time yardage leader for many for many decades until you know the modern passing game took off. So he, your point, Rich, stands. Fran Tarkenton threw for a lot of yards in his era. Thank okay? you. Thank you. You, you were correct, it. sir. That's all that matters. You were you were on the right track. You were on the right track with Fran Tarkenton. When I said Lamar Hunt uh, earlier, I meant Hank Stram as well. So I want to make another correction. Well, so. Lamar Hunt owned the team. Yeah, yeah, but I, I meant Stram is who I was referring to. So again, you were on the right. Track. I was on the. You knew who I meant, but I just you know yeah. Not, You've not got the train on the right track. <laughs> just the specifics are, are are touchy there. So Fran Tarkenton threw for three thousand yards twice. Okay. Okay. He ended his career with forty seven thousand passing yards. So uh, listen, Fran Tarkenton could sling it. Right? He could. That's a gunslinger, man. Yeah. And listen, that's fourteen game seasons. That's fourteen game seasons too. And remember, he was one of the original running quarterbacks. He also ran for 3,600 yards and 32 touchdowns. A scrambler, Rich, was Fran Tarkenton. Um, yeah, so Vince, I mean, look, you know, don't – I'm just going to tell my listeners, don't be naive about this and be cognizant and be aware of the spin. That company has gotten very good the message that they want out. So um, be aware of that and examine some of the reports and not through that lens and you know you'll be awakened to some of this stuff. Dare I say you'll be woke. Oh yeah. There it is. Dare I say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. That is, uh, is Vince McMahon back at uh, back in Gorilla. So we'll see how long that lasts or you know, this is, again, was probably a test. You know, let's let's see what happens here. And, you know, 
seems like it, it passed, like you said, in flying colors. So uh, some other stuff related to WWE this week, and this may be nothing or it may be something. Uh, Wells Fargo security analysts were doing a presentation this week, uh, and WWE's domestic media rights came up. And the main takeaway from that uh, was that they do not believe that Fox is willing to do a new deal with WWE at a higher price to retain SmackDown. So this is from Forbes Sports Money Managing Editor Mike Ozanian. Mike Ozanian. Let's go with Mike Ozanian. I think that's correct here. He says, quote, Wells Fargo Securities thinks Fox is not likely to renew SmackDown at higher price, and it's possible we could see SmackDown split between Fox in linear and a streamer or the entire night move off and likely accredited to Fox of America. Yeah, so the thing about Wells Fargo Securities is they have been um, very conservative, meaning um, not in the political sense, in the literal conservative sense, in projecting uh, you know, where WWE stock will go and, and things of that nature. Very bearish on the WWE market historically, which is important to note when they put out a report like this uh, saying that Fox isn't going to pay more to retain SmackDown when it comes up. And then, you know, talking about a possible split between linear and streaming. That's important to know. Okay. Cause they just happen to have been, have been very conservative on, on WWE projections. But then today, Rich, I guess you can continue. So yeah, today, let's do it? that. So I said Fox of America earlier. Fox A is just the, the corporation's name. So Fox, the Fox Corporation is, is Fox A. So when I said Fox yeah. of America, that was just me reading A and, and thinking America. That's anyway, not what the A means. That's, that's not, not what the A means. No. So yeah. Fox Corporation. Uh, so today, Fox uh, CEO Lachlan Murdoch, Lachlan, L-A-C-H-L-A-N. What in the world is that name? Well, we have D-Clan McMahon and we have Lachlan <laughs> Murdoch. So I guess when you're from Connecticut or whatever, you, you, you name kids D-Clan and Lachlan. So here's Lachlan uh, Murdoch, who was asked about the Fox WWE relationship. And here is what he had to say. This is uh, per Brian Steinberg, who is the senior TV editor at Variety. Uh, so he was doing an interview there. Uh, Fox CEO Murdoch asked about the WWE relationship. Quote, if they ultimately sell the business, I hope the acquirer is a good partner ready to engage with them on rights when they ask when they are ready. Okay, so that seems innocuous enough. Right. But I think the next part is more time. I agree. So yeah, the first one is if they sell the business, I hope that... The first one is, look, we're ready to deal with whoever owns it. Right, whoever owns this thing next, we hope that they're a good partner and we'll we'll talk with them when they're they're ready to talk. So that's fine. That's whatever. The next part, though, Fox CEO Murdoch says, appetite for WWE rights renewal may hinge on the performance of overall sports portfolio. Yeah, so that's the more telling part of the quote. Now, Fox just paid a shit ton of money for Big Ten uh, college sports, uh, Major League Baseball. Obviously, they have an NF- the, the 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 NFC Conference NFL package, which is the more lucrative and more expensive Sunday afternoon NFL package. Uh, they've got the NFL through twenty thirty three, and they just paid for the Big Ten. That's a long term deal, and they've got that's to the end of the decade. Yeah, it's through the end of twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty or whatever for the Big Ten. Right, and and the baseball postseason, which is the right, which is the package you want to have, and the World Series more specifically. So. The second part of that statement, though, saying that he straight up says their appetite for the WWE rights may hinge on the performance of their overall sports portfolio. That does not read in combination with, well, let's see who buys this thing. None of that reads to me 
like someone who is dying to get into the room with them to bring back this property. That doesn't mean they won't bring it back, but there's a lot of red flags there in terms of it doesn't sound like Lackland Murdoch is chomping at the bit to uh, to do whatever it takes to retain SmackDown on Friday nights. To me, what about you, Rich? It's weird, yeah. And that that uh, obviously with that that quote right now for for people that follow sports television, by the way. Uh, it's a very, it's not a great spot right now. Sports television, sports TV rights. Nobody's come up for renewal like right now. So it's like, we, we don't know. Like they haven't, there's nobody coming up in the next couple of. Big 10 was the last. One. Big 10 was the last. But yeah, we're going to see the NBA is potentially going through one very, very soon. And that's going to tell a very big tale uh, for how things are going to go. But like sports on TV is not good right now. It's not in a good place because regional sports networks. Are basically crumbling. The whole the whole idea of regional sports networks are essentially, uh, you know, a house of cards that everybody was kind of waiting for. Hey, when is this thing going to fall? And it looks like maybe the first card has kind of been yanked from from the house where you know the Bally Sports thing. They buy this property. They spend a shit ton of money from it. They buy it from Fox Sports. They rebrand everything as Bally Sports this and Bally Sports that or whatever. Pretty much within uh, what two years at this point. I think they bought them in late twenty twenty. Yeah, it's a fucking disaster. They're losing money out of their ass and they're declaring for bankruptcy. And there's and there's currently something like twenty plus baseball teams whose broadcast partner might fold right. before the season ends, and that brings to question where the games will air. <laughs> number one, and number two, they're not going to get their money. And this is this a big is check. A, That's a big check that comes in every single year. That that, that regional sports network check yeah. is a big check that gets split. The biggest, yes, for a lot the of biggest, <laughs> the biggest for most of the teams uh, there. So this is kind of like okay, well now if if Bally's a fucking disaster, everyone's kind of looking at all these other you know regional sports networks and what's going on here, and then in turn looking at other major networks and going okay, well less, I mean fewer and fewer people every single year are 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 are, are have cable. Very few people are getting cable. What's going on with all these sort of things? And and sports was always the the bastion of okay, well, yeah, people are leaving, but they're always going to be here for live sports. They're always going to be here for live sports. They're always going to do live sports, and that is still true to an extent. Live sports still do you know really run the business. I mean, TV is is propped at this point, like you know, cable television and 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 buying a a cable box and turning on your TV and having the you know that is largely still propped up in a large, large, large part by live sports is, is still doing that. But this is calling into question. This, this regional sports thing is calling into question what this is all worth. And is it, is it worth it? And, and, and what about going to linear and what about going to, 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 to streaming and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's what, you know, these MLB teams might have to do is say, you know what, we're just going to broadcast the games on our website, or we're going to broadcast them through MLB.com or whatever, MLB TV. And, and it is calling into question, wait, do we even need regional sports networks? Do we even need these networks? Or do we just do this all on our own? Do we stream all the things on our, and, and it's going to be who the hell knows what the thing is going to be in a, in a couple of years. So regardless of what's going to happen or whatever, that quote coming up at this time, when the overall sports portfolio for these networks, which is a very expensive thing, when it's it, it, it's been for the first time in a long time, a real question of are these things even remotely close to worth what people are paying for them? And yeah, and we're starting to see the first cracks. We've been talking about this bubble, bubble potentially yeah. bursting for like 10 years and it never bursts. But we're starting to see some cracks like these quotes by Lackland Murdoch are some cracks. Someone in the chat brings up a great point, Dan Greenspan. You know, the Pac-12 deal is coming up, 
and it's essentially collapsing the league because USC and UCLA. Oh, right. They all the, left. Yeah. The other teams left. They left the Pac-12 and, and they're the, the backbone of the Pac-12 because they don't see the Pac-12 getting uh, a sizable uh, money deal. And, and look, five years ago, two years ago, the Pac-12 would have killed it on, on a rights deal. And, uh, you know, the, that outcast is so poor that they're two most important schools left and would rather play basketball and football against teams in the Midwest than stay in the Pac-12. Um, someone else in our chat, Eric Kroll, uh, another really good comment. We make fun of our chat, but it's all in good fun. We, we got no, good very listeners. smart people, very smart people he, in there. He says, look, sure, but Lackland here is negotiating in public. And I agree with that. But Oh, yeah, that's totally a play, too, to, to drive that price down, for sure. Yeah, that's, I, listen, absolutely. But compare his comments to, to the releases that Warner Brother Discovery put out every time they talk about AEW. And the fact that they keep giving AEW more programming. You can still read the tea leaves and see who's happy with a property and who isn't happy with a property or who is lukewarm on a property. And look, this is not the first time Fox has said, was it about a year ago? And I don't know if it was Murdoch. It may have been an underling, somebody involved on the sports side of Fox. I can't remember who it was, Rich. But do you remember that comment where Fox basically admitted that SmackDown was essentially underperforming a little? Throughout the life, yeah. Of this let me see if I can find that quote. I do see remember that one. Yeah, up because this is the you know because there's that too. I mean, every anytime we hear anything from Fox, it's you get the impression that SmackDown look it usually wins the night and it does well enough, but it's a, it's been slightly disappointing for the money that they're spending on it. That's always been the impression that Fox gives out. So yeah, is there a little bit of public negotiation happening here? Absolutely. We all know how the game works. And I agree with what Kroll's saying. But, you know, at the same time, okay, you also have to remember that this wasn't specifically a call regarding Fox Sports or Fox Sports entities. This is Murdoch talking about the whole network as a whole. And he got asked this question. And this wasn't any kind of prepared statement or anything. This was just an off-the-cuff answer to a question he was asked directly. The audio is actually up. Right, right. By investors, too, which is, is, is important. Right. You can't be you know, blowing smoke up their asses or whatever with, with stuff. you got to be pretty honest. I mean, look, and nothing for nothing. This is not patting myself on the back, but it was on this show, and I was the first person to float the idea that if Fox is really paying attention, they could probably let WWE walk, and they can get, they can get dynamite for pennies on the dollar and, you know, what, 60, 70% of the rating and pay 30 or 40% of the cost? You know, so it's like whatever you, wherever you want to slide those ratios. You know what I mean? I think AEW is a real player for Fox. You know, Fox can spend less money and, and maybe come out ahead, you know, in terms of if they get 70, 80% of the viewership. And don't think for a second Dynamite's going to do 900,000 viewers on Fox. It's a network. They're going to do, you know, they're not going to do the 2.3 million that SmackDown's doing. But they're going to do, uh, you know, substantially more than they're doing on on uh, on TBS. And if you don't think so, you just don't understand TV. So, you know, I, I, I think that's in play. Yeah, I was able to find that quote, by the way. September 2021. 
Uh, it was a source from Fox admitted, quote, admitted that the WWE viewership was disappointing in comparison to expectations. Uh, plus, uh, this is from Fightful Select, uh, this report. Uh, also, Fox is not over the moon about WWE promoting Peacock on their network. Obviously, with there Peacock being owned by NBCU, Fox going, well, what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you promoting so you their shit on our channel? WWE cuts the deal with Peacock. They're promoting it on SmackDown. And all of a sudden, Fox is chirping about, well, listen, you're underperforming. We're f- the, the word they used was disappointing, right? Isn't that what you just said? Yep. So that's why I give these quotes. I, that's why I think these Murdoch quotes today are worth reading between the lines for, uh, for and, and breaking down. Because I think he's really saying something here. And then the fact that the renewal may hinge on the performance of the overall sports portfolio – You know, what he's saying there is, like you were saying earlier, you know, a lot of these sports entities are underperforming and they've paid all this money for them. And, you know, I think what he's trying to say here is we may not have the money to retain WWE. So um, especially if they're going to be giving us disappointing returns comparable to our expectations. So, uh so there you have it. Anything else on that, Rich? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have anything more. But I thought it was it, it was notable. Uh, again, like you said, it wasn't because it wasn't they were doing a seminar on TV rights fees or WWE rights fees or whatever. Like you're saying, it was just essentially they were doing a, a thing, and people could ask them about this. So these are unprompted, un you know, un un, un you know, rehearsed questions and answers about WWE, and yeah, they're pretty telling. And and it speaks to this whole relationship's been weird from the beginning. The Fox. WWE thing has been very weird from the beginning. It never felt like a great fit between the two, and 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 perhaps both parties, particularly Fox, realizing that maybe maybe you know it's not the best fit. And we we always talk, we talked about it at the time. It was going to be weird that they're promoting all their pay per view stuff on Peacock when Fox is also in the streaming wars too with NBC and and and, and all that. So it's like, well, now we're promoting. It's just it, it's messy. It would have been just a lot easier for everything to be on NBCU or everything to be on one because you're competing. You know they're directly competing with NBC for streaming and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, here you are on you know paying a billion dollars to a show that's promoting a competitor's you know streaming service. That that's that's weird. I mean that, that there's no way to get around that. There's no way that that's not weird. You, you know so um, yeah, it, it, it's just something to keep an eye on, something to monitor as we get closer and closer. So Sue Williams did the math for us. He says Fox could triple AEW's current deal and still save seventy million. For sure, they're paying WWE. Absolutely. Now, and, and I'm telling you right now, the floor, the floor for Dynamite on Fox would be one point five million a week. That's the floor. I mean, they're doing like one point one million. They top out at like one point one million on TBS, and they're doing about nine hundred thousand per week on TBS. I think at minimum that show would do 1.5 million viewers a week on Fox and potentially more. I think 1.5 is the floor on a network because when you're on a network, people watch by accident. You know, there's 2.4 million people watching SmackDown. There's 1.7 or 1.8 million people watching Raw. Do you think that there's 500,000 WWE fans who simply prefer SmackDown? No, it's because one's on a network and one's on cable. Right, right. Okay, the difference would never be that drastic, right? And even if you're a ca- so, and and it doesn't also it also does not truly affect cable cutters either because you can just get a a, a dish or or a, you know a, or a, 
yeah. an antenna, like I said, and, and be able to just, you know, watch Fox anytime. So, yeah, they, they, they're they're almost, you know, they're they're cable cut proof. You know what I mean? Like cord cutting proof there on, on, on Fox on network TV. So, yeah, that's why you see the numbers you do for for, for SmackDown. That's why SmackDown. So now, so now someone's saying, wouldn't it just be cheaper for Fox to come up with another disposable reality show or something? Yes, it would. But I'm saying they want to stay in the wrestling game. Right. And or they that's want all. to stay in the live sports game, too. Right. You know, I'm saying but add, add a better at a better rate than what they're paying for other live sports right now, where if you have to go to the table and WWE wants a billion and AEW wants insert whatever here, 300 million or whatever, you know, just inserting a number. It'd be silly not to just say, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, let's save that money. And, and yeah, well, maybe we'll get a million less people or, or 500,000 less people watching. Who gives a shit? You know, that, that's fine. a better return on investment. Right, right. Maybe we'll actually make a little money or lose less. You know, because the speculation out there is that they're losing money on this deal, and and a lot of these sports deals, you know, so you know you get a potentially, but that's if they want to stay in that game on front. Maybe they see Friday nights. Okay, look, we can win, keep winning Fridays, right? Yeah, and they're winning Fridays. Like that, make no question. They might be, they might be floating that they're disappointed by the WWE numbers, but they're still winning Friday nights. But they can maybe still win Friday nights and not pay a billion dollars for it. Yeah, and then and do a point four instead of a point five seven or whatever. You know, it's, you know, so, uh, but, you know, have that worthwhile based on the cost. But anyway, yeah, that's, I thought those were really interesting. They were. Um, comments in combination with what uh, the Wells Fargo Securities projections as well, which again, to be fair, have been conservative regarding this company for a long time. Right. Yeah, not, not exactly the ones you know leading the charge of you got to invest, you got to do this. They're going to get big TV deals. They, they've always kind of yeah, they've they've been kind of on the on, on the back burner for a lot of these things. So, uh, all right, so that is uh, that is the world of WWE. A lot of stuff going on there with Vince and, and Wells Fargo and Lachlan Murdoch. So uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on that uh, throughout uh, the rest of the year uh, here on the flagship. Uh, we do want to touch on uh, AEW and some New Japan uh, stuff, but real quickly, I want to let people know about FlagshipPatreon.com. Obviously, uh, we have a lot of great stuff up there right now on our Patreon. Uh, we have two tiers, uh, $5 and $10 tiers. Uh, $5 gets you all of our bonus audio. $10 gives you instant reaction live, live flagships like this. If you want to join the Note Up chat room live uh, on the show every single Thursday, you can do that on the $10 tier. Uh, as I said, the instant reaction lives, you get access to that. Uh, this Sunday was yet another great great instant reaction live uh, was our record breaking instant reaction live as well we keep doing that every single time these things happen they're a new record but we did it again with AEW Revolution uh, instant reaction live uh, blew away uh, all of our other previous instant reaction lives. So I want to thank everybody, of course, for subscribing to that. And just overall, it's a hell of a time on there. The chat room is going like crazy. It's a great place to hang out immediately after uh, an AEW pay-per-view. So uh, definitely recommend that. And hey, the show was pretty good, too. We went about two and a half hours, like I said, uh, covering every single aspect of the show, reviewing every single match, a ton of really good stuff uh, there on Instant Reaction Live. Uh, we also had a, a very fun, you, you, you kind of referenced this last week on the flagship, but a very fun match of the week. Uh, this week, because it was Osaka Pro versus Dragon Gate. Did you want to talk about that match a little bit, uh, and 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 maybe why it's relevant uh, for people that maybe missed last week's show? Well, yeah, as Daisuke Harada <clears throat> just had his retirement match. I think he had it earlier this morning, right? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it was very emotional. Uh, I heard Kotoge was just an emotional wreck. Yeah, I saw a picture, and this. he was just his eyes were just red. He was just bawling his eyes out. So it's like, yeah, it didn't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. That seems like it just might be heartbreaking. So I might not want to watch it. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, the match of the week was a six man tag involving both Daisuke Hirata and Atsushi Kotoge when they were part of 
Osaka Pro. And it was from an Osaka Pro versus Dragon Gate joint show. And uh, on the opposite team was a uh, a baby T-Hawk still in his young boy phase. Rich still wrestling in the wrestling shoes and black tights. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, with Anthony W. Morey, remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, another guy who had to retire early due to injury. And a, and a baby Mark Haskins on that uh, on that Dragon Gate team. Yeah, I always, too, I always a- forget that Mark Haskins was, was, was in Dragon Gate. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was a match that was suggested after Harada announced his retirement by Case Low, and I decided to go with it as the match of the week since I thought it was really, you know, it was a match from early early in Harada's career, and he's teaming with Katoge, of course, who he'll always be linked with, always. And um, I had never seen the match either, and the match absolutely kicks ass. I mean... That's a notebook match by today's standards. I mean, they just killed it. And a lot of these guys are, are, as I said, they're just, they're babies at this stage of their career. And um, it's from 2010. Yeah, how young is T-Hawk here? He's got to be like. This is literal, like, months into T-Hawk's career. Like. He's, this is before, you know, any of his gimmicks. Because he's only like, he's only like 31 now, right? Like, he's only. 32 he, he he's 32 he'll turn 33 in april good lord so yeah this is in what what this show is 2010 2010 oh my god he's like 20, 19 yeah. 20 years old yeah or something like 20 that. yeah 19 so um you know wrestling under a shoot name and everything so um and we're told that open the voice gate did a full episode where or did an episode where they talked about that show um in the fall and you know, I, I've been working my way through the rest of the show, and it's a really fun show. I mean, that's kind of like Golden Age Dragon Gate and Golden Age Osaka. Pro, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you really think about it, or at least close enough to the Golden Age of both of those companies. But yeah, that was the match of the week pick this week. And um, it's probably a match that a lot of people haven't seen. It was a match that I never saw. And, you know, there was some good discussion about it. Because if you do subscribe, there's a locked private room on the discord for the match of the week where if you're a subscriber you can go in there and discuss the match of the week and and we also have a lot of people who are subscribers who don't necessarily post on the discord but they they our discussions on the on the page on the patreon pages themselves sometimes get pretty intense right right yeah we get, the them. comment section goes back and forth a lot too so yeah there, there's always good discussion about that and yeah for the match of the week uh, it's not just simply that we send you a link to a match and go okay here you go like you write background about the match you do a couple paragraphs or you know in, the, in this case it was like six or seven paragraphs all about the history of the match the history of the people involved why it's important why it's significant and and most of these matches have some significance very you know you're not just saying hey here's a cool match i like this match it's always like this match i picked this match because it is this anniversary this person passed away this is a uh, you know relevant to today's you know wrestling or whatever so it's always got some hook and some reason and yeah again you're not just getting hey here's a match go watch it you're getting you know detailed recap of why this match matters, who is involved, the history behind it, and the history after the match as well. So it's, it's, it, there's a lot involved in it that's more than just simply, here's a really cool match. Now, the end result is, here's a really cool match, but but there is a lot of other stuff that goes involved in it too. So Yeah, I mean, I try to pick something that's relevant to whatever's going on in wrestling. Not always, but I try to. And then, yeah, I, I, I try to do a, a really nice write-up. It's, you know, if it's a match that I happen to know a lot about, but then there's been some matches where, you know, I did research for the write-up and I learned a lot and then, you know, wrote stuff and passed it on to the readers. I mean, there's some matches where I've written like a thousand and fifteen hundred words. It becomes a fucking column by the time 
So yeah, they are pretty substantial. It's not just, Hey, here's this week's match, watch it and go talk about it. No, you, you, you're going to hopefully learn a bit of, learn a little something um, with the match of the week too. So, so we got that. Uh, obviously, I'm uh, finishing up the Canadian Heart Month uh, here. Uh, last uh, episode or t- second to last episode went up. It was uh, Bret Hart versus Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. We talked about the history of that match and, and, and reviewed it. Uh, and then the final one, which is uh, Bret Hart and Chris Benoit in the Owen Hart tribute match. Uh, that'll be up uh, by tomorrow. Uh, I've already recorded it. It's all ready to go. So that'll be up uh, tomorrow. And then uh, that'll be it for the Canadian Heart Month. I'm uh, going to change things a little bit in uh, March. I'm not going to do audio, but I'm going to do write-ups about some uh, very famous WrestleMania weekend matches uh, of all time. Some ones that are very famous or very relevant uh, to uh, to wrestling history. So I have a bunch in the holster ready to go. I uh, had a, a bunch of ideas last year that I was going to do about these and, and half wrote some of them. So uh, that's going to be fun to kind of go through, you know, old WrestleMania history and, and, and discuss, you know, very, very famous and very relevant matches. Johnny Gargano and Shingo, I think I did last year. Uh, that's one that, you know, the, the Johnny Gargano heel turn, just an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, the Dragon Gate six men, speaking of Dragon Gate again, uh, that one is is going to get covered. Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. match. That, I think you were there live for that, right? That was in Dallas. Yeah, at the time. I think I called that the best match I ever saw live in my life. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I wrote, that. I went back and watched because I reviewed that show because you were obviously in, in Texas while it was going on and I was still here uh, in, in, in Chicago, obviously. And I wrote a review for voiceswrestling.com and I called it like one of the most important matches ever and that like the British invasion is coming and like this is going to completely change the game. And these two guys are going to be like the next generation of superstars. And Will Ospreay is somebody that is just because at that time, like it, it, with the benefit of hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah it's Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. But you know, think about what time we're talking about. The time period. Was, I mean, they, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. This is 20, what, 2016, right? I'm pretty sure it was 2016. I have to go back and look at my notes. Like, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. I mean, Will was still a pretty skinny little junior, and Zack Sabre Jr. was still like, you know, people knew him from Noah, and some people knew him from other things like that, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it is today where it's like, oh, yeah, Will Ospreay is like one of the top stars. But that match was was just unbelievable, and I rewatched it again uh, pretty recently for that piece, and it's just, yeah, it speaks to, the, to what how you... Did it, okay, let me ask you a question, and I don't want you to give away what you're going to write, but how did it come across watching it seven years later when now because when they when the match happened the first time and and in 2016 we were seeing a lot of the spots that those two were going to do together for the first time we're seeing a lot of will shit for the first time those two in particular have wrestled each other a million times since then They, they always have great matches so with the benefit of having watched both of those guys now for seven years and especially against each other how did that match come across to you in 2023 eyes? Yeah, it, it, it still holds up. It still holds up for a lot of ra- uh, reasons. It's still a great match. It still is. Yeah, and I think um, <clears throat> Will, I think, is a lot better now than he was then, but he was still super spectacular then. But Zach is, is to me, pretty much the same. Like, And that's not. I'm not taking anything away from Zach Sabre Jr. He was a more complete wrestler in 2016. He just needed the outlets. He just needed the, 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 you know, the, the, the people to watch him. But he was already pretty much there uh, in 2016. But you really see it in Will, where Will is still very skinny, very kind of trying to put things together. But no, it, it, it's, it's good. But the, the thing that helps it, though, that match wouldn't be... It would be very different with today's Will Ospreay because today's Will Ospreay is a brick shithouse. Like we know he's a fucking monster. He's gigantic. He's still kind of a skinny little junior at this time, but that helps Zack Sabre Jr. And Zack Sabre Jr. is manipulating his body and putting him in all these submissions and, and will screaming and going nuts or whatever. So it works. It, it definitely works. Like I, those guys are probably no, they definitely have had better matches since then, but it still holds up. It is still very, very good. Seven years later, especially with the benefit of hindsight, knowing, hey, 
this is going to really like launch the career of, of all these guys. And just, yeah. And I go into detail in the piece, which you'll obviously read here uh, very, very soon. But uh, yeah, it, it's no, it, it does. It still holds up, even though I know that these guys have had better matches than this match, if that makes sense. Dylan Hales tapped out Johnny Gargano in the opener of that show. Oh, that's right. That was that show, right? Yeah. Wasn't that the Drew McIntyre uh, uh, show too? Yeah. Where he had to, he had to uh, same match. Be in the opener, and I have to go. I have other things to do, and then he shows up at the American Airlines Center uh, in NXT. I, I so. think Dallas 2016 is truly when WrestleMania weekend peaked. I don't think you know there were a couple good ones after that. Okay, but it was like almost diminishing returns from there on out to where now it's barely recognizable as as what it used to be for a variety of factors. But Dallas 2016 was really the one where it built up. That was like the best one ever. And then the next couple of years were okay. And now it's just it's on fumes. I mean, it just isn't what it used to be. That was really a special year. The 2016. Yeah, I, I remember. I mean, that one, the NXT was great because you had Sami Zayn and, and uh, yeah, Nakamura. Nakamura. I think you had an FTR or no, uh, uh, whatever. The Revival versus... Or no, was it a DIY? Maybe it was DIY in American Alpha or it was Revival versus American Alpha. I forget. One but of those combinations. One of those combinations and it fucking rocked. It was great. It wasn't DIY yet because Gargano was still with Evolve. That, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it does. So it must have been American Alpha uh, versus um, uh, uh, Revival or whatever. Uh, I think a really good Evolve weekend, too, if I remember correctly. The Evolve right? weekend, that was their most stacked roster ever. Um, and that whole week at Eddie Dean's Ranch or whatever it was, was just, right. a, you know, one incredible show. Well, just another. to give you a, a, a reference, like, so Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. was Evolve, let me go to my, 58, 58. What was that one? The next night, Evolve 59 Will Ospreay faced Ricochet in the main event. And, like, this is 2016 Ricochet. This is, like, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world Another at that time, Ricochet. Yeah, yeah. And and that was the weekend where they brought in Kota Ibushi. Yes. And, you know, not, you know, and at the time, that was a huge, it'd be a huge get now. But it was, like, a massive get at the time. Even the the, the Kaiju Big Battle show where Kota Ibushi wrestled Dr. Cube and just chased him around the, the fucking ranch at four in the morning. That entire weekend was just so memorable. It was just, it was, you know, every show was a winner. Uh, Evolve was peaking. WrestleMania weekend was peaking. Holy you know, man. NXT was peaking. This Mercury Rising show, this Dodeon Super show. Let me read this it's card for you. It's disgustingly good. So sad. This is why we hate the independents now, okay? And listen, there's going to be some canceled names. Uh, yes. Just so, fucking... Warning, yeah. warning. These are not endorsements <laughs> right. of the acts of these people. Because you know what? People get so stupid about that Yeah, shit. yeah. Warning. Like, Many of these in... men have been canceled. <laughs> and we are not endorsing the actions of any of these men. No. It's just take it for what it is and listen to the fucking card. All right. So your opener... Your your opener, your opener, Joe, was Chris Hero versus Zack Sabre Jr. Opener. Opener at Eddie Deeds Ranch. Curtain jerker. <laughs> Curtain jerker. Uh, match guide, uh, cage bids. match 8.77 for uh, Chris Hero and Zack yeah. Sabre Jr. Nice little curtain jerker. For, uh, <laughs> uh, then you had Drew Gulak versus Fred Yehi. Mm-hmm. Tracy Williams versus Matt Riddle. Ethan oh. Page versus Anthony Nice. Taylor made versus Nicole Matthews for the shine title. All right, look, you know what? By Bye. the way, before you continue, that's also the weekend that Darby Allen debuted with Evolve yeah, and got face, squashed face by Ethan Page. Yeah. 
kicking off the Ethan Page angle, which was one of their top angles for like two years and put Darby Allen on the map. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, I forget. Yeah, that's when he got thrown against the barricade or not the barricade, the fucking pillar, right? I don't know. I don't know if he did disgust- that. He got destroyed. He got destroyed. I remember that. But he did some sick act of act of violence and loss. <laughs> right. The point. Yeah. It didn't last. And that long. was the and it got him a job. Yeah. And uh, kicked off that feud. Okay, so they're not all winners. Uh, FIP World Heavyweight Title four way: uh, Caleb Conley, Gary J, Jason Cade, and your favorite Maxwell Chicago. Ah, Maxwell, yeah. yeah not, not all great. Uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Sammy Callahan. That probably stunk, but that's all right because what you got in the main event was Johnny Gargano, Kota Ibushi, and TJ Perkins versus Marty Skrull, Tommy End, and Will Ospreay. Yeah, that is when WWN was doing the uh, Hot Trios main event at yeah. the end of the Mercury Rising And that show. was a hot one, folks, let me tell you. And that wasn't even the best Evolve show that weekend. No, no. Evolve 58 and Evolve 59 or whatever they, numbers they were. Those cards were just fucking stacked, stacked with talent. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that. That to me, 2016 is really when it peaked. New Orleans, I think, either the next year or the year after was pretty good. Um, that was a good WrestleMania weekend. That had the Janela Spring Break before it jumped the shark. It had, um, you know, uh, uh, still had a that had that Will Ospreay Matt Riddle match that just. God, that was so f- beyond fucking great. So New Orleans was pretty good. New York was okay. I don't know what year that was. That was right before 2019. Yeah, 2019. 19. That's 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 the one I went to. And it was it was there was enough good in there. NXT was a great show. Uh, ROH New Japan was obviously an incredible moment too. I'd say like 2019 was fine. You know what I mean? Like the other, yeah, it was okay. The under of it wasn't great. Like yeah, you had you know the I, I think you and I went to you know or I went to the US versus the world WrestleCon stuff and that was okay. Uh, and then we saw like the the yeah we there, there's some good stuff at WrestleCon, uh, some good stuff here and there. But yeah, it wasn't it was twenty. I, I'm with you that 2016, and th- and that was the that was one that I recall being able to watch like end to end too, and, and being able to be a completist at that time because now you can't be a completist. Like you're gonna see this many a weekend when I when we do the audio for it. Like you just cannot be a big completist these days with WrestleMania the weekend. There's just ten thousand shows going on and a bunch of shit and uh, whatever. But 2016, you could just sit down starting at I think it was. Well, it wasn't the first year of Bloodsport. That would come a couple years later. But 2016, I think you could pretty much start at like 5 p.m. on Friday and just watch most of this because it wasn't overwhelming. You know what I mean? There was only a couple companies still running. So you could pretty much watch the entire WrestleMania weekend and it all made it fun. You know what I mean? It all made it really, really good. And then, then there was, uh, you know, the, the other weekends were, were pretty solid, but none were, you know, as spectacular. I mean, there were years where we'd be like, wow, there's nine shows. Yeah, right. This is <laughs> right. crazy. There's literally, if you go to VoicesOfWrestling.com, we are doing the most complete uh, WrestleMania weekend schedule page of anybody. Thanks uh, to Griffin uh, from our website for helping us out with that. But uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, we have every single match, every single wrestler booked, every single moment all there uh, at VoicesOfWrestling.com. And trust me, there are more than nine shows going on uh, this many a weekend. But yeah, I remember we were like, whoa, this show starts at 11 a.m. on Saturday. You can watch wrestling all day. And now it's like, uh, you can watch wrestling all was fucking like, day. God damn it. Like, I remember like, whoa, there's going to be 11 shows this year. They're really overdoing it. And now there's like 11 shows, shows on Wednesday. <laughs> there's 11 shows on right. Wednesday. It's like, yeah. Oh, God, what are and we doing? None of them are good. No, no, yeah. and none of them are good. Yeah, uh, I, I am being told I'm being scalded in the note of chat room by uh, Sean Cedor that the uh, 2019 DDT show was really good, and it was. I was there with with Sean, so 
Um, he's right. That one was fantastic. So, yeah, twenty nineteen was pretty good. Yeah, it had Blackcraft. It had Blackcraft too. That'll be a moment I'll never forget. So, and, and you know, we have the, the the New Japan show in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's just, yeah, iconic moment. I mean, come on. So, um, and then me, you, and all the smart people hightailing it out of there on Sunday and letting everybody else get drenched in the rain at five a.m. when there was no transit yeah. options leaving WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> That was always the play, man. Get out of there before Mania. That was always the play. The best is I was at, and, and again, like it's a it, it totally different, you know, way of approaching, you know, wrestling and, and our viewing. But I, uh, I was flying out of LaGuardia, I believe. And I'm there waiting for my gate to fly back to Chicago to leave New York to get out of there. And my gate was filled with wrestling fans showing up, like getting out of the plane. I'm like, you just landed on Sunday and you're just going to go to WrestleMania? What are you doing? I was yeah, like, you fucking yeah. dorks. What are you doing? Yeah. What the fuck? Get here on even, Saturday at least. Like, even, I, yeah. Even as a WWE fan, go to NXT. Right. Go to WWE Hall of Fame or something. You're going to fly in right now and drive over to WrestleMania. Are you staying on Monday or are you just flying back? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What the hell? I was just, I, it blew my mind. I was like, what is wrong with you people? So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but uh, that's that. So that 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 is coming up at uh, flagshippatreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, voices of wrestling uh, dot com slash Patreon. So retrospectives about WrestleMania weekend, all the other great audio content that we do, November to remember, the Canadian Heart Month, all the VOW retro stuff, written reviews, uh, the review roulettes that you're doing every single week now, just going and and and, and checking in on on some other wrestling shows uh, across the uh, the scope. So that a ton of stuff, just an ungodly amount of value for uh, five and ten dollars for you there at flagshippatreon.com. But on that ten dollar tier is the Revolution review, the instant reaction live, yep. the only place you could hear us review it. So, Rich, now that we're a few days removed um, and you're coming down from the high, do you still consider this the greatest wrestling pay-per-view of all time? And before you answer, I do have to say, because we did get some kickback on on Discord, I don't count New Japan shows as wrestling pay-per-views because we didn't bring those up on the instant reaction. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. The only the only New Japan shows I would consider wrestling pay-per-views are Wrestle Kingdom 9. Was that the one with Jim Ross? Uh, yes, yeah. And, you know, and anything that aired on traditional pay-per-view in the United States, if it's a New Japan World show, I don't count them. That's not a pay-per-view to me in the, in, in, in the, in the context of this discussion. That's not a pro wrestling, American pro wrestling pay-per-view. So, um, so what, so first of all, let me get your take on that. Like, what do you count as a pay-per-view? Yeah. When, when you say, is this one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time? I, I don't think of a random Dragon Gate show that I watched or a random, right. you know, New or Japan. G, G, G1 night 16 from, from Budokan Hall. Like, right, right. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't count. Cause that's just. When I talk about pay-per-view, I mean like, yeah, available to watch on your cable box, American pay-per-view wrestling. That that's the way I, I I would say the greatest wrestling show ever. If I meant greatest wrestling show ever, I meant greatest pay-per-view ever. You know what I mean? Like, did I think AEW Revolution was the greatest wrestling show ever? I think it's probably in the conversation. But then you have a few more contenders. Obviously, you have Wrestle Kingdoms. You have other stuff that comes up for sure. But no, when I when I meant when I say pay-per-view, and when we say pay-per-view, I think you and I both mean WWF, WWE. WCW, ECW, you know, AEW, that that sort of structured three to four to five hour pay-per-view on your cable box. Not necessarily, you know, what you can pop on on New Japan World or anything like that. So. I got to be able to call my cable provider to call it a pay-per-view. Well, you and can't. Includes- <laughs> you can't do that for AEW. So. 
That includes the PLEs too, for that matter. Yeah. I would still call, I would still call those pay per views. Number one, they're still on pay per view, literally still on pay per view. And number two, they kind of fit the traditional. Yeah, they're pay per views to me. Um, New Japan shows, with the exception of Wrestle Kingdom Nine, maybe the new the the MSG show that we just talked about, which was also on pay per view, I believe, was it? We were there. I don't know. if it was. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. No, I had to have been. Right? Rick Aboni did commentary with Kevin Kelly. Why else would they be doing? Commentary? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if it was streaming or, or if it was on like traditional terrestrial pay per view or whatever. But yeah, maybe, maybe it was. The chat will tell us in a minute. But uh, anyway, now that we got that sorted out, are you do you still believe Revolution was the greatest pay per view ever seen? I think so. I I, I think I'm still there. I I, I think it was. It was special. That that night was special. I mean, there, there's very rarely that you get wrestling that's that good. And 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 I it could speak to that because I had a, a, a you know people reach out to me on, on on Monday and Tuesday. People that maybe didn't watch it live, and they said, "Hey, how was the pay per view?" And they were like, "What should I watch from it?" Or what, you know, what would you recommend from the pay per view? And I came back and I was like, J- the, the whole thing, like just watch the whole thing. And like, very rarely do I do that. I'm usually mindful of people's time and I'm usually mindful of, all right, look, you're, you're asking me for recommendations. All right, watch the main event and watch this match. But I was like, as I was going through it, I was just like, well, yeah, you got to watch the six man with, with, with the house of black and, and the elite. And, uh, well, that opener was pretty good too. You should probably watch Starks and Jericho. And then obviously you're going to want to watch hangman and, and Moxley. Uh, you should definitely, of course, watch, you know, Danielson and MJF. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I mean, at that point, just watch the whole fucking show. It, you know, like everything I'm giving you, I've just given you four matches. I've given you about three hours of the show. Like at this point, just watch the women's match and watch, you know, the the, the tag team match, and you're there. Like no, just watch the whole thing. And then Joe and, and and Wardlow. So yeah, very rarely do I just say watch the whole thing, watch the whole pay per view. So the fact that I am doing that and I'm still doing that and I'm still recommending to people that they do that. And if you're listening here and you've not watched Revolution, just watch the whole fucking show. Uh, yeah, no, it's got to be there. It, it has to be in the upper echelon. I just, I, I can't think of many other pay per views where I would recommend people just sit down and just you, you, you need to. You, you'll be a better wrestling fan for watching the entire show. You, you will, you will not waste a minute of your life if you watch the entire Revolution show, and that rarely happens with pay per views. There were two pay per views I watched. Three, four. I'm quickly expanding my list. There were four pay-per-views I've watched in my life that had me buzzing so hard in the aftermath that I was really excited about my wrestling fandom when they were over. One of them was the AAA When Worlds Collide pay-per-view, co-promoted by Ron Skolar and, and, I, and the ICW and, and, and WCW, of course. Because um, I was discovering this new style of wrestling, right? And I had just gotten into Lucha tapes around that time. And, you know, that show blew me away. And it was a great show. The original ECW One Night Stand, the not the second one, but the first one produced by WWE. That's a real contender, too, because that's another one that it's like, if somebody asked me, hey, what should I watch in that show? I'm just like, the whole fucking thing, man. It's just a vibe. You know what I mean? You got to watch yeah, the whole and thing. It's you like, can't, I can't say, oh, you got to watch you know, this match. No, you just got to watch the whole thing. Just hit play and sit back, man. It's one of those shows. That doesn't have a bunch of five-star matches, no, no, no. but... Man, especially as someone who lived through ECW and who ECW meant so much to them, that show just hit me different, man. And I, I really thought they were going to revive that thing. And like a fool, you know, you know, and then they did nothing again for a full year. Never mentioned it again. Broke my heart. Um, really, that might be the point that truly fucking finally soured me on WWE. 
now that I really think about it. That they, they had the DVD. It sold a shit ton of, of, of DVDs. They did this pay-per-view. It, show, it sold a shit ton of pay-per-views, and it was an awesome show. Critical Everybody success. agreed that it was critically you know, great and, and just objectively a great show. And then they went, all right, well, <laughs> nevertheless, let's move on. And, and I think yeah. it's because it was too successful. Yeah, of course. And he didn't create it, so fuck you. Um, another one would be Forbidden Door. And I think I put All Out 2021 in that category. Now, I can tell you that, according to the cage match inmates, Revolution sits second to All Out 2021. Fair. And slightly ahead of Forbidden Door. Those are the top three. And I think those are the three that we said were the top three AEW pay-per-views of all time. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You put those three in any order, and I'm not going to really argue hard with you. I might shuffle the order a little. And honestly, you might get a different answer out of me depending on what day you talk to me with those three. Um, in terms of w, straight up WWE paper, let, let's leave bear, let's leave uh, one night stand out of it. You know, I think an underrated one is Money in the Bank 2011. I think <laughs> is it underrated? Not, not by this website, I don't think. But well, in terms of all time great pay per views, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think a lot? Like, okay, for example. If we asked the Ringer podcasts, wrestling podcasts, to name the greatest pay-per-views of all time, first of all, they're not going to name anything that isn't WWE. Of course. So they're the right people to ask this question. How? I think, I, I think they would. No, I, I think it'd be pretty high. I, I really do. I think it'd come up, but it ain't going to be number one. Uh, I don't think it'll be a runaway number one, but I think it probably does come up. I mean, that that is at 9.53 on Cage Match. I mean, that is still... A very well-renowned. I, I see what you mean. If you ask the, the Gen Pop, and Ringer is as Gen Pop as you could possibly be, would that one come up? I, that one's probably hits a little different for hardcore fans, but but yeah, I don't know, man. Leaving with that CM Punk John Cena match all timer, and and the Money in the Bank matches in between uh, were yeah. really great too. So uh, and Christian and, and Orton Christian was great. And yeah, Randy Christian Orton. and Randy Orton was fucking spectacular. That show fucking rocks. Yeah, that's why this fucking website exists, man. You, th- I couldn't sleep. I was like, well, fuck it, I got to do something. <laughs> I was up at four a.m. making the fucking domain name and building this stupid website because I couldn't that sleep. Might, that, that might be my all-time favorite WWE pay per view. That's great. Yeah, it's great. There, but 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 it has some stinkers in there too. It has a few, and that's why that's why I put Revolution in a different level. Revolution didn't have Kelly Kelly versus Brie Bella. Do you remember Kelly Kelly and Brie Bella from Money in the Bank 2011? No, of course you don't. Nobody does because who cares? Uh, Mark Henry and Big Show they had a match at Money in the Bank. Fucking terrible. Nobody remembers it. But but still that existed. Those they they still had those types of matches on that show. But otherwise, other than that, the other four matches were. Uh, Fucking spectacular Money in the Bank match won by Daniel Bryan. An awesome Money in the Bank match won by Warning. <laughs> warning. Not an endorsement. <laughs> this is not an endorsement. Alberto Del Rio. Uh, and then Christian and Orton and then CM Punk and, uh, and, 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 and Cena. So it's like, yeah, it's a fucking spectacular show. What would be the consensus greatest WrestleMania? 17? Uh, 17. Yeah, I would say everybody would say 17. And, and I would and- probably agree. I think 22 is a contender. Uh, to me, I've always went to WrestleMania 17. I think 22 would be be a decent contender, but uh, yeah, no, that, that's that's probably where most people land is either 17 or or I think that would be it. I think if you ask most people, gun to their head, hey, what's the best WrestleMania? They probably say 17. I think my TNA pick would be Destination X 2012. I don't, man. I really don't know if any TNA pay per view ever landed with me on that level. You got to pick a best one. If I got to pick a best one, it's probably that Destination X 2012. Yeah, I do remember that one being. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if anyone really. 
Oh, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What was the Slammiversary from Toronto? Fuck, what year was that? 2018, I want to say. I think it was Slammiversary 2018. I, I forget the Roman numerals for it. That, that, yeah, that's absolutely what it was. Because that was in the early days of our Patreon, and I got, I forget who it was, and I, I my apologies, we were going to do a review afterwards to bury it. I was like, hey, and it wasn't you. You were gone or you were on a trip or whatever. So I had two other people and I said, hey, when this show's over, let's come on and let's bury it. And they went, all right, yeah, sure, it'll be great. Then we watched the show and then we were like, oh my God, it was incredible. Like, what the fuck that happened here? Uh, they had Pentagon and Sammy in the, the hair versus mask match. Uh, LAX versus the OGs. Do you remember that match? That was fucking uh, OTs and, and, and Santana uh, versus Hernandez and Homicide. And uh, I think Brian Cage and, and Seidel had a great match. Like, that was a really, really great. So, no, that, that's my pick. Oh, and then Austin Aries and Moose. Uh, warning. <laughs> warning. <laughs> Austin Aries uh, and Moose. Uh, yeah, Slammiversary 2018 uh, was that one. 16, Slammiversary 16. That, that's my what's, pick. What's that got on the old cage match? Uh, on cage match, that is, give me a second here, 8.84 on cage match. Destination X 2012, 8.86. Whoa, razor So let me tell you okay. something. Let me tell you something. That means we picked the right ones. Yeah, we're consensus there. There you go. Or no, we're not let consensus. Me- we're just right. We're just right is what we are. I mean, geez, how, you know, we, we both picked the, the two best, one each. Austin, Ari- Austin Aries uh, in the main event of both those shows, so ask questions. Well, Austin Aries is pretty fucking great. Yeah, he's a pretty great wrestler. Um, I saw Dave Meltzer say, someone asked him if Austin Aries would be in the top 50 ever, and Meltzer scoffed at that, and I don't think he'd be top 50 ever either. Let me tell you something, though. I consider Austin Aries for my top 100. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if he'd make it. But I'd, I, I, he'd be on my short if yeah, I had the. If you watched Ring 100. of Honor in in the period, and you watched TNA in the period that we're talking about, fuck yeah, he belongs there. What I loved about that Destination X show was the story started the year before on Destination X 2011, when Austin Aries won the the gimmick for the Option C or whatever it was. Um, was that the Option C thing? I think so. And then, you know, he comes full circle and he beats Bobby Roode for the title the next year at the same show. And also on that show was that AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Last Man Standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle. Not not one of their better ones. No, no, no. It's a good one, but yeah, not one of it's, the. It's still Samoa Joe and fucking Kurt right. Angle. And then the whole X Division thing where they had the qualifying matches early in the show. And then all the winners had the, you know, disgusting four or five way or whatever it was later on in the show. So, you know, that, that show kicked ass. Um, ECW. I will save that for November. The point here is I think that revolution is certainly in the conversation. I'm not ready to commit like you, that it was the greatest of all time, but um, you know, I, 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 I respect the take. I, I don't think I'm going to sit here and tell you you're nuts. Um, so anyway, it, it hasn't gone down as much as I thought. You you always get, if you look at like Cage Match, you'll get that initial wave when a show's over where it's like, you get that with Raw's too, like a Raw finish and it's like the greatest show in wrestling history when you look at the numbers and you're like, ah, right, uh, it can't possibly be true, right? And yeah, this revolution, it it, it it was at like a four or a nine point, you know, six or something like that. Consensus, no doubt, best pay-per-view they've ever had for a while. It's kind of tailed off a little bit, but by the tail off, I mean 9.26, which still has it firmly ahead of Forbidden Door, which is at 9.21. And pretty far behind All Out, uh, twenty twenty one, which is at nine point five five. It's probably not going to get there, but yeah, at worst, it's going it, to. If it falls any, it's going to fall like from two to three, but it's not going to go much further beyond that. No, it's the rating at this point. If you if you believe in in cage match and all that, 
it's real because there's almost 400 votes in. They're not. It's not going to get many more. Right, votes. right, right. Um, speaking of which, the main events it's still at a 9.65, and uh, Hangman Mox is at 9.3. So those are holding up as well. And the trios matches at 8.7. Just a great fucking. That's show. a great show. I yeah. mean. You know, and well, um, you, you talked about the buzz and like not being I mean, like I was up till I don't know, 4 a.m. or something. I had to wake up at like six for work the next day or five. It was just like, yeah, it was a disaster. I was a mess at work, but I couldn't sleep. It was like, you know, and, and remember how I was like, ah, you know, what? I might just watch this pay-per-view again. You know, I got into my, you know, I went to my living room. So I was sleeping on the couch or whatever because I don't want to wake up the nurse and, and, you know, crawl into bed at, you know, 2 a.m. That's not a good idea. Uh, so I go on the couch and I turn on the TV and it's the replay of, of Revolution. So I go, eh, you know what? I just sit and watch it, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'll fall asleep to it right away. No, I, I stayed up and watched it all over again. I was like, damn it. I really didn't want to do that. Now it's 4 a.m., and now I'm really, really tired. But, yeah, it's it's one of those shows. It's, it's on a very small list of shows where, where there's that that excitement, that palpable buzz, like you said afterwards, where you just, you, you're you wound up in a way that you, you're you just not wound up with. Most wrestling shows are over. We do this show, and I'm fucking exhausted, and I don't want to go to bed, you know? That not that show. That was a show that I was like, I could do another. You know, we could do five more hours of audio on this show. That's fine. And all out twenty twenty one was that way too. I just got I got back from the building and I was screaming and yelling and going nuts. And and yeah, that night I don't even know if I went to sleep that night just because it was just so wound up for how great of a show that was. So, all right, Rich. Before we move on to New Japan, I've got a surprise segment. Oh no, <laughs> I hate these. I have no wacky music for you. Doesn't work with the new mic. Um, this is not a game show, but this is a surprise segment. I thought of the segment, but I didn't think of a name. So my on-the-spot name for the surprise segment is the Rich Craig Hot Seat. We're going to put Rich Craig on the hot seat. Okay, all right. <laughs> like fire and stuff. I have three burning questions okay. for Rich Craig. All right. He doesn't know what they are, no which idea. means he has no time to think about it. This <laughs> is bad. I don't like this. He's at all. tugging on his collar. I hate over this there. so much. So he's just got to give hot takes without having any preparation. Are you ready, Rich, for uh, the Rich Craig hot seat? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Now that we have live mouth sound crowds in New Japan, Rich Craig's do live crowds breathe new life? Into the house of torture. Ooh, no, they don't. They don't. And I will tell you, uh, Kevin Kelly agrees with me as well. And I know this is a little bit of a tongue in cheek and a little bit of like, ah, now this is, you know, that's what their characters are or whatever. Uh, but uh, my man, Yujiro Takahashi, was wrestling Shota Umino uh, on the New Japan Cup. And Kevin Kelly said, nothing will take you back to the days of pandemic wrestling like a Yujiro Takahashi match. And I, laughed. I was howling with laughter when he said that. What a great line. It's such a great line. And uh, no, they really have not. No, I, I still think House of Torture fucking stinks. And uh, I don't see the crowds that against them either. I mean, they're they're into evil. I will say that it, it has made me appreciate evil a little bit more, but not the lower ends of your, you know, your your shows and your huge rows. No, are still as irrelevant as ever. Yeah, because, you know, when crowds weren't able to make sounds for House of Torture, those were like the worst matches on planet Earth. That didn't involve Shazza McKenzie. I mean, they were just brutal where you'd have, you know, Dick Togo choking someone out with a garrote wire and the crowd just has to watch and they can't boo. Right. And they can't really do anything. It was just awful. 
But uh, now that crowds are booing House of Torture, Rich Krejci still says, "No, nah, not of quite there. Sucks. Not quite there. Evil. I will say, evil. The crowd does react to evil. Evil's been upgraded by the crowds, but the rest of the the the, the lower rungs of it are still absolute fucking disasters." So, burning question number two. Rich, Cody Rhodes famously lost to MJF and then, and also lost his ability to ever challenge for the AEW world title. Do you remember this? Rich? Of course. Yes, of course. Okay. Cody Rhodes' story in WWE as we head into WrestleMania is that he's trying to win the world title his father never won <laughs> from Roman Reigns. You familiar with that story? Uh, I am, yes. Is it possible that the Codester was playing a little 4D chess knowing that one day he'd be headed back to WWE and he wanted to preserve that major world title win for WrestleMania. Rich Krejci. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, That's the way Codester thinks. Uh, Cody, yeah, it. Cody's a thinking man's wrestler. I think that's even a little too much for the Codester. Because when, when, when was that match? That was... 2019 or 2020. Yeah, that was no 2019, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say that was pretty. I mean, I think it was before. Uh, it was either yeah, it was it was either before the pandemic, right? It was definitely before the pandemic, right? Either late 2019 oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. early 2020. Yeah. I forget exactly when, but yeah. um, no, I, I I can't imagine that he. No, I no, I I don't think he was thinking that far ahead. I I don't think that he ever thought he was gonna go back. I, okay, let me let me praise this. I don't think he ever thought he was never gonna go back there, but I don't think that he saw it in his immediate future of I don't want to win the AEW title because I'm gonna go to WrestleMania and win the WWF title. I don't think he was thinking that far ahead. I think he just wanted to challenge himself and and, and say let's just let let's see if I can do this without winning the top title. Let me see if I can be a top star without winning the top title. Let me see what I could. Cause again, like for all this story with the dusty thing, which is absolute fucking horseshit, by the way, because dusty Rhodes did not give a shit about the WF title. <laughs> dusty Rhodes didn't care about the NWA title. <laughs> that was his own, right? Like the guy actively did not want the title. And when he did win the title, all he wanted to do was lose it as quick as possible to get some heat on somebody else so that he could chase him around, you know, the, the, the territories or whatever. So what are we doing here? But, no, I, I don't think so. I think that Cody just thought it would be a fun challenge to not win the title. And I do think he regretted it. I do think he regretted it because he everybody asked him and he constantly got brought up. And there was weird parts of the story where it was like it would make sense for Cody to go for the title, but he couldn't do it. So, no, I'm going to say that Cody Rhodes was not doing 40 chess and was not planning to eventually main event at WrestleMania and win the WWF title. I think it's a WWE title. Jesus Christ. But no, I, I don't think that was his intent. I think his intent was just to have a challenge of not you know, not feeling like one of the EVPs was putting himself in the top title picture or whatever. I think that was more the play, not necessarily the play of I'm going to win in the, the title at WrestleMania. With the benefit of hindsight, I fully believe Cody always knew he was going to go back. And I think Cody wanted to be the first one to make the jump because I think he knew that would make him an enormous star in the other company. First significant jump. In other words, beating Kenny Omega to the punch. Be, you know what I mean? Like a, a significant jump. I feel like he he had this planned out. Now, as far as the whole title thing goes, I don't know. But it's just something I've been thinking about this week because that's the way he thinks. 
So I wanted to see what you thought. about. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I just don't know if in, you know, the fall of 2019 or whatever, November 2019, that he was thinking, all right, I'm going back to WWF and I'm, or WWE and I'm a main event WrestleMania. I, I just I don't know. I, I can't think that I I think it was equal parts. He thought it'd be a fun challenge. And also what a lot of people theorized at the time and what you know many people still theorize today is that that idea was that eventually when he did turn heel, that he was just going to say, screw it, I'm going for the title or whatever. I don't care about the stipulation. I don't I don't know anything to you people or whatever. So I don't know. That's always where I landed on it. But but I'm not putting it. I mean, am I saying it's a 0% chance that you're right, that he was thinking 4D chess in November of 2019? Absolutely not. Because that's Cody. That's what he thinks about. Burning question number three. I put on my journalist hat this week, Rich. Mm. I asked around multiple sources. And heard back from multiple sources. Why San Francisco from Tony? I can't wait. (laughs) I like San Francisco. I got engaged there. Great city. And I can confidently tell you that Chris Hero is the shoot booker of West Coast Pro. I asked multiple sources, Rich. And that is the conclusion. Wow. Okay. That has been reached. He will have his hand in matchmaking, legitimate matchmaking, booking of talent, storylines, and be the on-screen, uh, you know, authority figure type uh, deal as well. So it's a shoot. That leads to my burning question, Rich Craig. Do you think it's a good idea for indie promotions to have a big-name star as sort of both their on-screen authority figure type representative and pulling the strings behind the scenes? Do you think this is going to work out for West Coast Pro, which was doing quite well without Chris? Right, right, yeah. Man, I, it, I, I'm kind of shocked that it's actually good. Good on you, the journalist had to to find out that he's the shoot. I kind of thought it was just a figurehead thing, or they were just going to kind of promote Chris. If he's the shoot Booker, uh, no, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea to take you know wrestling, especially if there's smart wrestling minds like a Chris Hero, and there's several guys that are. There are guys that we all know that that are just are, are learned, have studied the wrestling history, were great wrestlers in their own right, are still you know actively aware of what's going on in, in in the scene or whatnot. And there's few better than Chris Hero. I mean, Chris Hero had I don't know if he's still doing that thing on Reddit. He had like a, 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 a like a red a subreddit where he was you know talking and discussing you know wrestling matches or whatever. And he's a brilliant wrestling mind. I mean, everybody should know that because it's Chris fucking Hero. You watch his wrestling matches and you, you, you've ever heard him talk. He's clearly a brilliant wrestling mind. So no, if there's other guys like Chris Hero out there, and 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 I. I don't know if off the top of your head you know any guys that you think would be good for this, or you know I can kind of rack my brain a little bit and think if there's anybody that I I know of. But no, this is really cool. I, I mean, this it's got to be the right guys. It's got to be a smart guy. It's got to be somebody that still know. You can't just go with. You give the book to Austin again. Mentioning Austin Aries, great wrestler, but I don't really know if I want Austin Aries booking like a modern, you know, independent wrestling, you know, uh, promotion. But uh, yeah, somebody like a Chris Hero, hell yeah, that dude knows. He's smart about the game, smart about wrestling, uh, knows what he's doing, and, and and is passionate about wrestling. So yeah, if you can get a guy like that, that's great for them, and that's going to make me way, way, way more interested in West Coast Pro. Not that I wasn't already. I've already been watching a lot of the West Coast Pro stuff, but that just puts them on a completely different level for me because I just respect Chris Hero's mind for wrestling that much more. And, and I'm very excited to see what changes he brings, who he brings in and, and whatnot. But uh, no, I think that's a great idea for, for promotions. You just got to find the right guys. It just has to be a guy that's truly passionate about it. And and there's probably more out there that that aren't going to come to top of mind when, when I'm thinking about it. But no, there's there's... I think it's a good idea. I think it's definitely a good idea. It it beats like 
money mark guys or the guy that's just paying for the promotion or whatever. I, I'd much rather have a Chris Hero book. And that, I'm not saying West Coast Pro was that, but you know what I mean? You're running the mill indie sometimes is being run by like the guy that that you know pays for it. And it's like, that's not always the greatest move. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is great. Great idea. You know who gets spoken highly of in that regard by anybody who's come in contact with them or knows them? And it's probably not someone a lot of people would think about. Eric Cannon always gets spoken about. Yeah, so I think, do you know, he does something with first wrestling. I don't know if he's the owner or the booker. That is, they're out of Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. He is involved in some way with them, but I don't recall what. In some capacity. He does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that ran the Mall of America. Darren Corbin works for them forever. You know, he's worked for I forget what involvement he has in that. He He might be the shoot owner of of the company. I think he owns the company. Yeah. Let me let me see what cage match has to say about that. Yeah. As far as I know, he's at least involved in some official capacity, whether he's the money of it or or company. You're right. Okay. All right. Company. Chances are he's booking it. Um, I don't know that for a fact or anything, but um you know, it is his company, and they've been a staple in that area for, for decades at yeah. this point. So, but he's someone who, you know, you just talk to people in and around wrestling, whenever his name comes up, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that guy's got his shit together, and he's a smart guy, and he knows what he's doing. Um, I know Ricky Shane Page got either fired or chose to leave on his own volition from Circle Six recently, um, and he was apparently booking for that company and, and anyone who you would talk to before, before the circle six guys split off from game changer. You know, I, I talked to people who would know, uh, not PR, uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, any of the storylines that were going on game changer, particularly his own at the top of the card, were all thought out and, and booked by Ricky Shane page. And then, um, you know, obviously he was one of the guys who left with Kogar and, and everything for Circle Six, and then he left Circle Six. I think I don't know this for a fact, but I think I saw that that maybe AJ Gray is booking Circle oh, Six. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, they're they're <laughs> speaking of WrestleMania weekend, Joe. I know you're going to have your eyes attuned to uh, Circle Six. They're running a 30 hour live stream, straight 30 hours. A Circle Six. Yep. Well, that's their neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. I want to watch three hours. <laughs> three hours of Circle Six seems like a, a, a circle I don't want to be a part of. But uh, th- this name came up in the Note Up chat room, and it was one of the first names I written wrote down when you told me about this. Uh, Alex Shelley is a name that I would love, love, love to give that. If he's committed to it and wants to do it, I think he's got a great mind for wrestling and is well in tune with what worked in the indies before, well in tune with what works in the indies now, and I think a guy who's always looking forward to what what, what could happen in the future, too. So he's a guy that, similar to Chris Hero, who I think is just a brilliant wrestling mind, and if he's down, uh, I would I would definitely give him the keys. Yeah, so um, that's it. That's the three uh, hot seat That's good. I like that. Good, good segment. The Rich Creech hot seat. Enjoyed it, yeah. Uh, Sue Williams in the chat room said, Rich Creech is burning, like the old Jim Rome is burning show, which had yes. a lot of a lot of sound effects. Yeah, we could just bring that back. How long did that show last? I mean, they, they put a lot of advertising muscle behind it, and I feel like it did not last that long. So well, like I most mean, Jim Rome things don't last all yeah. that long. But Jim Rome has had like 19 different shows on, on various networks. And, and everybody tries like again. They're like, all right, Fox Sports Net's like, all right, we're trying it. All right, it's not going to work. And ESPN's like, what? No, we got it. CBS is like, no, 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 hold on. We got the Jim Rome show. It's like, yeah. and he's still on, right? He still does like radio, I think, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, he's the he's the highest paid. I believe he's the highest paid radio personality in America. God, 
Jesus. Because his radio show fucking kills it. You know, and, and he's gotten a million opportunities on TV. And ironically enough, the most successful, he had a show on Showtime. He had multiple shots on ESPN. He had obviously the old ESPN2 show where Jim Everett attacked him. Yeah, Talk 2, I believe it was called. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, when he was in his 20s. Then he had, like you said, first it was called Rome is Burning. But then, like, there was a riot in the actual city of Rome. (laughs) Yes, I do remember that. And they had to change the name to Jim Rome is Burning to not be insensitive towards whatever was happening politically in, in Rome, Italy. And he had a show on uh, uh, CBS Sportsnet. And now he has a simulcast of his radio show that airs every day on CBS Sportsnet. And that actually is the best performing television show he's ever had. Wow. Okay. Good for and him. And it's like, I guess, because he's doing his fucking radio show, which is what people like. They just don't seem to, his TV ventures just don't, for whatever reason, seem to work out as well. But, um, <laughs> Jim Rome. Motherfucker is, he is beyond rich i mean <laughs> he's been doing radio that fucking show since he was like 23 or something he's and it's got to be like now. the same show right i haven't listened to it but i'm sure it's the same jim rome show. Rich, it's the same show <laughs> right. it's a 58 year old man telling people to bring a take but don't make sure it don't suck like he's the same fucking guy <laughs> Using SoCal lingo, the jungle, right? Or what, what were they called? The, 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 the jungle. And, the jungle. And, and, what, what, is that what he called his like collar base? The, yeah, yeah. They still do the smack off once per year, <laughs> yes. where the callers call up and just insult each other. Yes, I love that he still gets callers too, because like most sports radio now, nobody calls anymore. Because no, the idea of like call. sitting by a phone and being like, "I hope they take my call," is like that's gone. Like you either just text a, a, a show or you just don't do anything. You just you know just fall back and let let the guys. Um, you know, but I love that he still gets enough callers that mad dog gets it too on serious. Like he's just, the banks are loaded with guys. We're like, Hey doggy, what's going on? It's like, this guy's waiting on the line for two and a half hours to talk yeah. to him. And he's like, I think the jets should uh, trade for uh, Aaron Rodgers." He's like, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's like, you yeah. wait on the line for two hours to say that. <laughs> but yeah, these old school guys still take the calls. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's, I love it. I, 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 yeah, man. That, that, uh, that's the dream. A bank full of calls. That's that's the dream there. Well, you gotta think about it, like when you're out of topics, you just open the fucking phone. <laughs> yeah, lines. that'll, that'll, it, that'll it, get the you. Sh- the show produces itself. <laughs> I mean, the few times that we've done the calls, it's because we didn't have a lot of segments. So we're like, all right, let's do some calls this week because it just eats up a fucking segment. You know, it's 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 easy production. And I'll, I'll um, never forget, you know, a lot of people are, are, are coming at, uh, uh, you know, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner these days, because, you know, he's not yeah. he's letting his league kind of, you know, fall. You know, got John Morant doing his shit and other stuff going on and load management, all this sort of stuff. Do you remember when Rome interviewed David Stern? Oh, yeah. Do, do you remember that? So oh, he was, talk- yeah. he was yeah. talking about the, uh, the the draft lottery being fixed or whatever. And Stern was just like. Hey Jim, have you stopped beating your wife yet? It's like, whoa! It's, just, it's the commissioner of the NBA who's just like he's pissed because Rome's just like David Stern. So was the fix in for the lottery or what, man? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you trying to perpetrate on these fans here, man? What are you trying to? Yeah. And David Stern just looks at him deadpan and goes, "Have you stopped beating your wife yet?" And says, "I, I think it was something like, are you done making career out of like cheap shots or something like that?" It was like. Uh- I think what Stern's point was is it's so ridiculous to suggest that the, that the, that the draft lottery is fixed, that it would be just as ridiculous for me to come on here and say that you beat your wife. Right, right, right. With, 
with no justification. Or right. Background. I ask like, you, have you stopped beating your wife? Which is not necessarily, do you beat your wife? But I'm saying, right. I know that you beat your wife, but have you stopped? Do- so now Jim's just like, David, come on, David, come on, man. David, <laughs> yeah. come on, man. It's like, not fair. Not fair. And that yeah. guy's the commissioner. of the Like, Adam Silver ain't doing that shit. You know what I mean? Adam yeah. Silver's not built like David Stern, man. That guy was built different. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was uh, very confrontational. Um, Mike and the Mad Dog always would say too. Francesca was just on first take with Mad Dog and, and Stephen A. Smith, and he said one of the, you know one of his favorite guests was when they would have David Stern on because he would he would he would fight back, like Stern wouldn't roll over. Like they knew they were going to get if they came at Stern hard, Stern would bite back. And he says sometimes Stern would change their mind. Like he he would he would win the debate. Well, he is them. a lawyer. <laughs> he is a very successful lawyer. So yeah. So so Stern was cut from a different cloth. Like he he wasn't afraid to go tooth and nail, uh, with with interviewers or, or people like that. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, Stern was different. Well, yeah, that'll we'll make probably, him, that'll make him like David at Stern anymore. Nah, you can't you can't have commissioners like that anymore. Anyway, it's just it's not going to work. But uh, <laughs> I just looked it up. I forget the best part about it was at the end of the interview, he goes, are we done here? Because I'm going to go call important people like Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Jim. I'm going to go call Stephen A. And you know that ain't at, at Jim Rome, too. You know, he's thinking, Dude, Stephen A. Smith, you did it. <laughs> Such a sick burn. That's <laughs> Instead of just letting it go because you're the commissioner of the NBA. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, fuck this, dude. Or given the stock answer. Absolutely right. not. We're not going to mess with the – no. Yeah, because that's what Adam Silver would say. Oh, the integrity of our NBA you know, draft right. lottery is of the utmost. And there are several people behind that that ensure that – no, David Stern's just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> if you start stop beating your wife, you asshole. Like, it's just we unbelievable. our fans too much, all this other bullshit. Right, yeah. yeah. The competitive balance of the league is of the utmost importance to all of us here in the NBA or whatever. Yeah, no, not David Stern. He was just like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. all right. Well, that was good. I like that. Creech is burning. That was, that was good. Yeah, I liked it. So, all right, let's talk about, uh, let's go to the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We have the New Japan Cup uh, as well as the New Japan 51st Anniversary Show. Uh, which happened on March 6th in the midst of the New Japan Cup. So uh, have you watched all of the first-round matchups that have aired so far uh, for the New Japan Cup? I've seen the entire thing. Yeah. Okay. I saw all but one. Uh, life is far too short for Mark Davis versus Toro Yano. But uh, do you want to indulge me with it any of your Mark Davis, Toro Yano thoughts? It wasn't thoughts? that yeah. bad. I, I, that 12 bad. minutes. I got other things to do, man. I'm, I'm Did good. you need to see it? No. No. I, I figured I could probably skip that one and be perfectly okay with my life and perfectly okay to the, the listeners of this show. So, okay. Other than that, More I saw More importantly, everything. Mark Davis will be taking on Will Ospreay in the next round. Hell yeah, he will. Yeah, there, there's will a lot of... Watching, will you be watching that one? Oh, of course. Yeah, I think, I'll, I think I'll check out that one for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of fun Aussie Open uh, potential here. You got... Uh, uh, if... Um, uh, Fletcher beats Yoshihashi. He'll have to beat Yoshihashi and then face Hiroki Goto in the next round or whatever, which would be really, really cool if, if they ended up doing that. But uh, we'll see. Did you watch ROH before we went on the air? I did not. I did not watch it this week. So Aussie Open wrestled uh, Rhett Titus and uh, Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, who was the Silver Ant, if you weren't aware of that, Rich. He was the uh, Silver well, Ant and the Green Christmas Ant. Christmas is ruined. If you, <laughs> if you weren't familiar with that. Shoot trash. Um. Great match. Probably the best match out of the two weeks so far. So I would uh I would suggest if you don't oh, and the show was uh I think an hour and fifty two minutes this week. It ran from uh one two two minutes for some reason it didn't start at 
seven at six central. It started at five fifty eight or something. Okay, and and it runs and it ran till seven fifty one. So they are doing like flexible time lengths. It looks like as we thought that they would, uh, similar to the darks. But um, yeah, Aussie Open versus uh, Hot Sauce and Rhett Titus was uh, was really fucking good. And I thought that the uh, pure title match with Wheeler Utah and Timothy Thatcher was a good match with a great finish that played into the Blackpool Combat Club heel turn. Um, so I think that's worth a watch too. The rest of it, you know, I, I don't know if people need to sit through the whole hour and 48 minutes or whatever. I, I did hear they had to, my favorite thing ever is having to be creative with, uh, with editing and commentary and stuff when you tape stuff ahead of time and then things change. Uh, I was told that Samoa Joe, who was still carrying the TNT title at the tapings, they had to like creatively edit around him carrying the title, which I love that stuff. That that hey, it worked on me because when I watched it, I thought, hey, they thought ahead and didn't have him come out with the title. But then, yeah, like you said, I was told later that they were just doing really tight shots. Yeah, I wish they would. I wish they would have went old school with, with the. I, it's so hard to do nowadays, but I wish they would have went old school where they tell him that. Come off with the title for episode one, but episode two, you can't come out with the title. You're going to lose that thing. <laughs> the, yeah, but you know, I think they yeah. also know now that fans are going to. Exactly. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can do that anymore. In 1991, you could pull it off. I, I just wrote an article on the paywall uh, about the Freebirds and their negative six title reign. And and on the house shows, you know, the first week of the house shows, they still had Doom come out with the titles. And then the next week of the house shows, they had the Freebirds come because that's what hadn't aired. And yeah, all that sort of stuff. Again, it's behind the paywall if you learn about the, uh, the Freebirds negative six day title reign or whatever. But that was 1991 like you know what i mean it's it's only going to get out in the observers and yeah. and the torch the and that watch or whatever the newsletter folks will know but yeah it's that but now you can't have if samoa joe came out with the tnc title for one episode and then not the other one yeah it would just people would lose their fucking minds so yeah with the internet everyone knows and then you're doing a spoiler in 1991 it's just the a couple thousand newsletter readers because newsletter readers would go to those wcw tapings and then report shit to the to the sheets you know, the sheet, like you said, the sheet readers would know what was going on. Now everybody would know. So I think that's why they probably just opted to do the tight edit. Yeah, tight, tightly yeah. cut around it and edit it. And yeah, just, just make our way. But yeah, I like that. I and appreciate speaking that. Of, speaking of trashy Tim, and we will get to the New Japan. Um, I think he's done with Noah. Remember that really fishy loss he ate at the Buddha show? Yes, quick. And quick we, loss. Were, we were like, man, he tagged in and got beat up and pinned. I think that was a write-off because he hasn't been booked for Noah since. And now he's like doing these ROH tapings. And uh, this would be, I guess, his second AEW slash ROH match. So it feels well, and like there's he's other, done with Noah. It feel, who, they booked somebody else. They booked somebody weird. Uh, another one of like Paxton Noah's. Huxley. Yeah, like another one of like. And it feels like he took Thatcher's spot, right? Yeah, with Suzuki. Right. So that. Uh, uh, looks like. Looks like. Trashy Tim might be coming Noah. Yeah, well, that really felt like a write-off the way he lost that tag. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was pretty. Well, we talked about it at the time. We're like, oh, that's kind of weird that he took that fall, and I guess now it's not that weird. Especially the way he took it. it was yeah. Very. I mean, it was Jake Lee that beat him, right? And he just he just tagged in. He got kicked in the face. Yeah, he just he fucking lost. Yeah, he just lost like quickly. Yeah. And 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 Jake Lee is now getting the GHC title shot. So that was actually if if. Thatcher is done. That was a nice piece of booking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You write the guy out and you have your next title challenger, just humiliate him in, in the process. You know, that's how you, that's how a guy leaves the territory. You put over the next guy who's, you know, going to be doing something important. 
you know, watch watch Tim Thatcher get booked for Noah like tonight now. Oh, for sure, be, yeah, and end up winning the title old. or something. Yeah, we'll look like complete idiots. Um, that's fine. Anyway, no, the uh, Mark Davis Toriano match was fine. That was uh, on last night's or this morning show or whatever, and the um, that also had Evil versus Ren Narita, which. Honestly, Rich, if you watch that, I don't think that was any better than Toroyano, Mark Davis. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't very good. And and really, I mean, I, I don't love Evil, but then Rita wasn't great in that match either. Evil was worse, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's the Narita thing is weird. A lot of the the New Japan young guys, man, there's just something something missing with those guys. Umino was was better in that match against Yujiro, but he's not there yet. It's Yujiro. Again, there's not a lot you can do with Yujiro, so I, I get it, but I'm just not seeing enough out of those guys. And Narita felt know. like he was on that path, man, and he did, and then they he just didn't win that TV title, and now... It's been downhill since then. It yeah, really has. Yeah, he's just he doesn't feel the same. There was a there was something there for a little bit, it felt like, and now it's just not there. And uh, it is evil though. It's all gimmicked up and it, it was twenty minutes, right? It was eighteen minutes or something like that. So yeah, that, that certainly doesn't uh doesn't help matters, but all right. Well, we're on the uh walk me through the other nights here. We'll talk yeah, about Yeah, okay. So so night one, uh the, the, the New Japan Cup matches were uh Tetsuya Naito and El Phantasma, which I thought to me was the best match of the entire first round. I loved this match. I thought Phantasma was fucking spectacular in this match. He was so good. And Naito brought his A game too. You know, sometimes you get first round matchups, you're going to get maybe t-shirt Naito, Naito take. No, no, no. This was Naito full bore going all out to try to make El Fantasmo a guy. Uh, El Fantasmo doing just tremendous work. How you don't see, uh, there are still people on this earth that don't see it with this guy. You know what I mean? Like you and I will argue with people that are like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, what are you talking about? Watch this match. Like watch this match. And like, if you don't see what potential there is for this guy, I, you're, you're just lost. You're just watching something different than I'm watching. Cause I thought he was spectacular on this night. The crowd got behind him. He got Naito fans turning on Naito and cheering for him. And by the time it was done, like they just went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Naito won, which I was a little surprised by again. Don't uh, my predictions from last week were uh, for entertainment purposes only. Thank God. Uh, people were hopefully we're not uh, betting based on those. Because I thought Phantasma was going to make a run. He didn't. Naito did beat him here. But I thought this was far and away to me uh, the best match of the entire tournament so far. I thought it was all right. Um, I didn't like it nearly as much as you, it sounds like. But, you know, I thought it was a fun match. And I thought I thought Sonata Taichi was a little bit better. But that was a – it was annoying because, like, the first two-thirds of that match were putting me to sleep. But they crushed it so hard in the closing stretch. Closing stretch was great. By the end. But yeah. It, yeah, it was unfortunately, it was one of those Sonata things where a lot of it's just dragging on for a while where I just lose complete interest. Even though at the final, even at the final match. few minutes get going, which a lot of Sonata matches do, they're just, they just bore me to fucking tears for so long in the match. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought both of those matches were fine. It sounds like you really love Naito Phantasmo. But, um, the next night was, uh, Chota Mew versus Jujuro, which you talked about a little bit already. And then David Finley versus Tomohiro Ishii, which to me has been the match of the first round to this point. I really thought this one was excellent. Uh, Finley came out with Gato, so he's going to be part of Bullet Club. Um, there's been a lot of talk about his new look. I like his new look. I, I think he looks like – I think David Finley finally looks like he could be a star. He, he always struggled with his look. And I think this is the best look he's ever had. So – and the match with Ishii, I thought, was excellent. 
I went a smidge over four stars, and to me, it's the best match I've seen so far in the tournament. What would you think of that? I, I loved it, too. Um, really good work. I don't think I'm on board with Finley as much as you are. Uh, I just... He has struggled his look a little bit. I'm not sure if dyeing his beard black and wearing leather is quite the path towards that. I I think it makes all the difference because he doesn't look like a fucking geek. Any. He, he always looks like a geek. I still think he kind of looks like a geek. And that's, I guess, my difference is I, I he kind of looks like a geek that dyed his beard black at this point. It, it, it's better. Trust me. It's a better look. It, it absolutely is a better look. Um, I don't know. I'm just not quite there with it. I think it's it's to me, it's it. it, it a little too soon to go to this. Like you, you lose Jay white and then immediately you get like this dollar store Jay white thing in David Finley right off the bat. And I think, I think ultimately it's going to be good for David Finley. And ultimately I do think it's going to work. It just, to me was such a stark. All right, Jay white's gone, but here's David Finley playing the role of Jay white. And here's leather. And I was going to dye his beard black and, and do this. It, it just, I don't know. The, the optics to me were a little dorky that it just feels like he's fitting in. And that Gato's just like, ah, yeah, you'll do. Come on, let's do this. You know, the blacksmith. Now Gato looks like a million bucks in the blacksmith outfit. Let make no question about that. Gato going to blacksmith, <laughs> the rebel like that. that, he yells that it. Rebel, rebel, <laughs> the blacksmith like <laughs> that rules. All right. I am not going to Gato fucking rocks in his long coat or whatever. He's got, I hope one of these days he just comes down with like a, you know, he's just like, ding, ding. And he's just on the side of the ring building like a fucking, you know, a, 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 a sword or something like that. Well, yeah. What? Yeah. You know, what's funny about that? You could not think of what a blacksmith. Does. No, no, I was trying to think of what would be right for Gato. I know what I, well, I was thinking like, he's not going to make like a horseshoe. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, I was thinking what Gato would make. I think a sword would probably be accurate. Right. Like, what do you put on an anvil? A piece of steel, and then you heat it up. Is there anyone and... today who still works with an anvil? No. Oh, or, or no. You know what? Yes, there is, but they're like annoying about it. You know, they're like they go to they have like a YouTube and channel, and they're like, I still do it the old way. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. Yeah, buddy, like, yeah. I like to pound out my own knives, like right. that, that kind of guy. Yeah, you know? like, okay, all right, buddy. You know. Some rena- Renaissance fair door. <laughs> right, right. Actually, these are sharper. Anvil. Yeah, these are sharper than any sword you could ever make. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Dude. All of my tools are handmade. All right, right. great. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to Lowe's. You, you, <laughs> right. you, yeah, I'm going to go buy a hammer. I'm going to go buy now. a hammer for 15 bucks, and thank you. But. Yeah. Um, so nobody really uses an anvil anymore, is what you're saying? No, they do at like, you know, old farms when you go to like, this is how a farm used to operate in 1827 or whatever, you know, like one of those. And then, yeah, Renaissance fairs is pretty much all uh, I imagine anybody's uh, using those for anymore. But uh, no, I, I think it's going to work uh, eventually. It's just to me, the optics were just like, whoa, OK, here's like replacement Jay White immediately uh, in the form of David Finley. And, and I just you know me, I'm, I'm over Bullet Club anything. But they are being weird about this one where they're trying to say that it's not necessarily Bullet Club. It's Rebel Club or whatever. So they're trying to kind of get away. It's a work in progress. This is the we, this is the first time we're seeing it. I'm not bearing it. I'm not saying it's dead on arrival. I'm just saying I need to see a little bit more to fully invest in, in, in David Finley. I think for the first time, he doesn't look like a jobber. That's number one. And I think that he has obvious confidence that he's exuding for the first time as well a different kind of confidence. So I think this has a chance. And if they're putting him with Gato, it means that they're going to give him a chance. For sure. For sure. The Gato stamp of approval is is good. You want that for sure. 
Uh, and then the main event of that show, that was the 51st anniversary show, was Bishiman, uh, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi defending the titles uh, against Tanahashi and Okada. And I love this match. That was really, really good. This is one of the best, you know, Yoshihashi matches I think I've ever seen. I've been saying that a lot recently. I mean, they 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 figured it out with Yoshihashi. It was like, why are we trying to make this guy like a dorky singles dude? Like this is this is it for him. And and Hiroki Goto. It's a great role for him, too, and, and they're finally actually having him win a title and, and keep winning a title and retain uh, the title. And yeah, Bishiman's great right now, man. They're, they're really, really good. And, and the Tanahashi Okada team was, was, was good, as they always are. Uh, but I thought it was, it was a cool story, too, because in my heart, I was thinking, all right, well, they're probably going to have Tanahashi and Okada win this thing, right? And then I realized, no, the way that they did this match and the way that they did the story was perfect. Tanashi and Okada are like hired guns that just kind of came together last minute and are individuals that aren't really good at being a tag team, aren't really good at being a tag team with each other. And it showed, whereas Bishiman was like a well-oiled machine. When when Hiroki Goto needed to get in the ring to s- save Yoshiashi, he was there. When Yoshiashi needed him there for the double-team maneuver, Goto was there. And it worked out perfectly where it was like, this, you saw the story of, yeah, it's Tanahashi and Okada. These are two legendary wrestlers in New Japan for wrestling, but they don't have... The, they don't have the teamwork that we have. They don't have the chemistry that we have. So we're out here. We're being a better tag team than they are. And ultimately, that's why they win this match and retain their titles, which I think was a great way to tell the story. And again, it speaks to the high level of booking and the high level of thought that New Japan gives to wrestling that a lot of other companies don't give to wrestling, where, where a lot of other companies wouldn't book it the way that they booked it or wouldn't have the match structured the way that these guys did, where this was perfect. Again, like absolutely perfect that Goto and Yoshihashi were just a better, well-oiled machine and Tanahashi and Okada just, you know, Hired mercenaries came together last minute, but it didn't work out because they're not a tag team. How many times over the years have we seen WWE put two top guys together and then they beat the seasoned tag team, you know, champions or whatever? You know, it's 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 uh, we've seen it countless times, especially in that kind of mid aughts era where it would happen all the time. And I always hated that. I always hated that. And it was it was great because at the end of this match. Kevin Kelly says to Chris Charlton, he goes, Chris, are Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi two of the best wrestlers in the world? And Chris goes, nope. And then Kevin Kelly goes, are Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi the best tag team in the world? And Charlton goes, yup. And that sums it up right yeah, there. For sure. You know, it's, uh, and that was kind of the story of the match. And I thought it was great. I went four and a half. I thought it was better than the hyped all Japan um, tag title match from, from January. Um, You know, it's right there with the best tag team matches that I've seen this year. And I thought, uh, you know, the crowd was red hot for it. And like you said, Yoshihashi was really good here. He is, he is a great tag team wrestler. He really is. And he always has been. And, you know, there's been guys historically who were great tag team wrestlers who weren't necessarily great singles wrestlers. And, you know, I, I I think that he's one of them. So um, he does deserve credit for that. And I love that New Japan is giving this team a substantial title reign because they're really starting to establish them as something special. And they keep winning these matches. And and, and, and that defending. hasn't happened in New Japan in a very long time. A, a special hasn't. team, a, a real established special team. Yeah, no, and it hasn't been the M.O. of Gato. That's for sure. Um. But, you know, they've survived. I thought they were going to lose here. I thought they were going to lose to – I thought they were going to lose like the last three times they defended. And then they just keep successfully defending those belts. So – and I thought it was a really cool match to have at the anniversary, which drew a little over 2,000 fans to that, you know, little Ota City gym that they run in. So, yeah, no, I thought uh, 
you know, that was a, the whole show was pretty good. I mean, you know, a lot of undercard tags, but they were all a lot of fun. And really the only down, you know, Shota Aminu Yujiro was a nothing match, but I, I really liked the Finley Ishii match and I, and I love the tag. Uh, and then otherwise, on the uh, tour here, uh, night two of the New Japan Cup, March 8th, that was uh, that was the one, obviously, from yesterday, Mark Davis and Toru Yano, uh, and then Evil versus Ren Narita. We talked about both of those. I don't know if we need to get into any more details about those, but um, I, I guess anything else that you have uh, on, on, on Davis and Yano or, or Evil and Narita? Nah, we already talked about those, so... All right, so what we know is coming up right now. Obviously, things are going to get booked because it's a tournament, but we know right now, tournament match-wise, uh, March 10th, so uh, tomorrow morning, by the time uh, a lot of you listen to this, probably will have already happened, uh, Yoshihashi versus Kyle Fletcher on the first-round match. I mean, they're already telling the story that Yoshihashi just got done with a grueling match you know, with Goto against Okada and Tanahashi. Now he's got to come back here in just a couple of days uh, and face Kyle Fletcher. To me, it's it's... So obvious that Kyle Fletcher is beating him here because then the next match on the bracket for Kyle Fletcher would be Hiroki Goto. And that just makes all the sense in the world to build up Aussie Open for that next title challenge uh, uh, there. So I don't know. That's my prediction. But again, I told you all Phantasm was going to go to the semifinals or whatever. Uh, and I was wrong about that. But uh, you got that Yoshiashi Kyle Fletcher. Uh, and then you have Shingo Takagi and Aaron Hanare is the other match uh, for tomorrow morning. Um, March 11th. Uh, we do know now finally a few second round matchups as well. Kenta versus Sonata, uh, second round matchup of the New Japan Cup. And then Naito goes on to face Chase Owens. That will be I, I on March 11th. I can't believe we're, in, we're into the next round already. It feels so fast. I, it does. I mean, I, it does. I was kind of surprised myself. I know that's what the bracket is and everything, but it just seems the last couple of years, the, you know, that one, what they have like. Oh, last year was gigantic. Yeah, yeah it was massive. It was like 32 men or something like that, or maybe even a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it was it was wild. But yeah, now we're just in a nice, clean, easy bracket where it's like, oh, all right, second round. So here we go. Uh, David Finley versus Great Ocon. That's going to be on March 15th. And then Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shota Umino uh, will be a second round matchup on March 15th as well. Yeah. And then the rest of the brackets will obviously play out. Uh, then we do know March 21st, the uh, New Japan Cup final will be that night. And also Hiromu Takahashi versus Leo Rush. Leo Rush getting a junior heavyweight title shot on the March 21st final of the New, uh, New Japan Cup. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they had a tag on the, I want to say it was the anniversary show. Where it was uh, Leo Rush and Yo against Bushi and Hiromu. So, um, Leo Rush had, let me tell you something, the... Um, I know everybody stopped watching it already, but he had a really good match with Jacob Fatu on MLW this week to open up the show. If you have it on the DVR, it's, it's worth a watch. And then the uh, the Billington Bulldogs had another match. This was the best episode of MLW, I think, so far, out of the four or five in this run. Because um, that Leo Rush-Jacob Fatu match was really good. And the Billington Bulldogs, the one, the, 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 the Thomas Billington, they're the, they're the shoot nephews of... Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington. Yeah, right, right. It's Thomas, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but Thomas is the one who looks, wrestles, moves, walks like Dynamite. I mean, it is like if you were going to cast somebody to play 23-year-old Dynamite Kid, it would be this guy. I mean, and I mean, he's he's deliberately trying to look like him. I mean, he wears his gear right down to the striped red old school 80s athletic socks. You know, the <laughs> ones okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm listening. All right. Um, he's got the same hair. He has the same body type. He's the same height. He he kind of looks like him in the face. And he's clearly trying to emulate him, but he's doing it well. Like, 
it's a little spooky. You know, and I'm not suggesting he's the same level worker because you're talking about one of the greatest wrestlers to ever live. That's not even fair. And the other nephew is just a guy. He's tall. He's skinny. And they're both like 19. So they have a lot of growth, you know, both literally and figuratively to go through. But Thomas, the one that looks like dynamite, I mean, there might be something there. I mean, right I saw now, him a couple doing- years. I saw him like a year ago or whatever. But has he improved a bunch? I mean, he they're they're not bad. I mean, right, I'm not going right. to sit here and tell you I would sign them right now if I was AEW or WWE. But there's something there, especially with Thomas. He's, I mean, he's been watching his Dynamite tapes for sure. <laughs> but then again, that's the point. They're the Billington right, right. Bulldogs. They're called the like, Billington Bulldogs. So, you know, so and you know, they're obviously aligned with with Davy Boy Jr. Who, well, I guess if he was. Davy Boy's cousin. If he was Davy Boy's son and Davy Boy was Dynamite's cousin, then these then he would be on he would be their second cousins. Isn't that how that works? Let me th- okay. So yeah, so cuz yeah, okay, cuz Dynamite Dynamite and Davy were cousins. Right. And these are their kids. These are No, 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 wait, I'm wrong. These are that's Davy Boy's son, but these are Dynamite's nephews. Oh, oh I'm out now. I don't no, know. but still, no, no, no. Because if they're Dynamite's nephews, as long as they're from Dynamite's side of the family, they'd still be Davy Boy's. They'd still have the same relation to Davy Boy Jr. as if they were Dynamite's kids. Oh, I, I see. I see. Okay. Because if they're Dynamite's. Yeah, this stuff always wrecks my brain. I'm the worst person. I get it's very, so confusing. I get so confused. Like sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, that, uh, he's your uh, second, third cousin. I'm like, well, how is he my third, like second cousin? Like explain this path. And I listen to yeah. path. I'm like, hey, okay. <laughs> We're not related. This is Basically, ridiculous. Basically, if you, if you can like fuck the person legally, you're not related. That's a pretty crass way of putting it. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's not how not exactly how I would have put it, but okay. Yeah. That, that. Because I think you can legally fuck like your I, third cousin or something. Great, cool. Like I think like if you I, I think up, I'll find like, somebody else. I think I'll try I'll, I'll try to go beyond anybody because that's like the, remotely related. So. The genes aren't gonna be screwed uh-huh, up. Yeah, like okay. when you go that far down the line, you know. Like if it's a first cousin, I don't think you can even legally fuck them or marry them. But like, I think if you get, I, it's either third cousin or something. I don't know. The, the bottom line is, I'm not <laughs> Stop sure. Stop talking about this. I'm not sure if Davy Boy Smith Jr. and the Billington Bulldogs can fuck legally. That I'm not positive of. I'd have to. Yeah, we'll have to see what the note of chat room says because they'll they'll let us know. Um, they'll probably disagree with what the answer is, but they'll, they'll let us know pretty soon. What what? Someone saying that their cousins once removed. Okay, let's what just is that, go with that? What does that mean? Is that different than second cousins though? Or is that just a different way to say second cousins? Because I've no, always I said like second cousins. Things. Hold on, let me let me look up cousins on Wikipedia. Okay, here. cousins and, once removed. I, I don't know what that means specifically. All right, those are those are different things. Hold on. So, but I guess like you're saying, it's Dynamite's brothers' sons, so they're still cousins. They still be cousins, right? It doesn't matter. Dynamite doesn't matter in this case. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just you know a guy that yeah yeah exactly. You you understand what I'm saying? I got you. I got you. Yeah yeah yeah. As long as they're not Dynamite's, like, one of his ex-wives' nephews, then they wouldn't be related to David Yes, Boyer. yes, yes. But if they're his brother's kids, then, yeah, they're just the same. Right. They'd be, be the same, same as, as if, if Dynamite had a kid, and, and then he was with Davy Boy. Correct. Yeah. 
So uh, <laughs> someone goes Jerry Lee Lewis talking. <laughs> We're not. Gonna, I'm not even going to explain that one. You can that on your own. That's great. That is great. We're not even third hour. We are third hour. We are definitely third hour. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, I'm, I'm looking up cousins here. I'm not unraveling this. This is this is a fucking mess. Yeah, um, that was a, a, the Jerry Lee Lewis was a double whammy too, right? It was a minor and his cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was say, right. <laughs> it was like a 13 year old cousin, which is like, oh, what right, are you doing guy, what <laughs> you're the Jerry fuck Lee are you Lewis. Doing? You could probably find another mate in this world, right? <laughs> like, it's a fucking child. Oh, that's that you're related. To. It's so gross. Good God. Oh God. Awful. <sighs> um, and you're Jerry Lee Lewis. Like, I know. Yeah. I, can't I, you find someone else? You're like rich and famous when there's like twelve other famous. Yeah. People. You're. It's 1950. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez Christ. All right. Anyway, this is with this gorgeous George hair and stuff. Get out of here. You <laughs> goof, right? It's gorgeous George hair, right? It is stupid piano. Hey, right. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Great falls of fire. Oh, fuck off. All right. Dumb uh, song. <laughs> fucking gimmick song, song on yeah. top of it. Anyway, just burying Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, that we should bury him. Fuck that guy. Uh, anyway, all right. That is uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, that is the New Japan Cup uh, and the 51st anniversary show. All right, Joe, do you want me to do Dragon Gate now, or do you want me to recommend Joshi matches to you? Get these fucking Joshi matches all over right. with. Let's I do really, it. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I think... You know, somehow the Bob lost that. Game. They, of course they did. Of course they did. It's I am I am not good at many things, but I am good at ensuring that the Paul basketball will lose. You could mush the fucking ninety six <laughs> balls. I swear to God, you, yeah. you, it's something. I did else. go to one of their losses, by the way. Who the ninety six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ended the Warriors winning streak a few years ago. Uh, I did. I went to Milwaukee to watch them. Uh, <laughs> they lost to. Yeah, I, I am. I also destroyed the Chicago Bulls season last year. I went to a game against the Warriors where both Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball got hurt. Zach Levine was out for the rest of the year, and Lonzo Ball has still not played a game of basketball since then. So, If I get you San Francisco 49er tickets, will you go to like their home opener oh, for next sure. year? And, yeah, 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 yeah. And mush their season? Yeah, that'd be great. Because I fucking hate them. Um, who, who am I taking down? Who, uh, who in particular do you want? Just the team You just general. want the team in general. To, okay. Yeah, I just want them to have a horrible year. So um, I could send you to a Niner game and um, maybe that'll work, you know, or may- maybe these teams have to be related to you in some way. Right. Uh, yeah. There probably does need to be some sort of personal connection. Yeah. All right. Well, what are these dopey Joshi matches? Okay. All right. <clears throat> Again, I'm only truly recommending one of these matches to you. Okay. Okay. This is from stardom's triangle derby one championship battle all right this oh, is from, sounds great <laughs> from march 4th 2023 and i can give you a link i i have uh, it, it's there is a complex way to watch this that i will uh tell you about later um i will you know if you pay for it you end up on that jerry lee lewis list so i'm not, <laughs> not paying for that 
it's some weird pay-per-view too on paya.japan or it's some weird thing so anyway i got a way that you can watch it. okay so this is from stardom triangle derby one championship battle march 4th 2023 and i don't know if you want me to review this match or recap it or if you're truly will you earnestly if i tell you i promise you'll like this match will you give it a try and then maybe we can talk about it i'll watch it I'll watch all right it. it's for the high speed title oh. it's azumi AZM, of course. It's it's oh. spelled AZM, but it's a Zoomy. Don't ask. Defending the title against Starlight Kid. Aren't they? Uh, this literally will put you in the jury, Lilo. Aren't they like both <laughs> no. 15 years old? No. <laughs> I think uh, I think Starlight Kid is a kid in name only. I think Starlight. She's like 21 or something at this point. She was like 12 a few years no, ago. When she was a few years ago. No, nah, she's 21 now or something like that. And Zoomy, I think, is 20 or something like that. So they, they're they're not old, but they're not they're not no. You're not going to be in the right. Jerry Lee Lewis list, so. All right, okay. All right, I'll fucking try it. That that's the one. I don't see this other one is, is I'm on the fence. I'm not going to recommend that one. There's one other one that if you have time, if you have time. Uh huh. Wonder of Stardom title match. Saya Kamatani defending the title against Hazuki. Okay. Okay. If you have, but I, again, I am only truly recommending the Azumi versus Starlight Kid match for you. Okay. If you if you get to the video early because it's the match before, there's Sayakamatani and Hazuki is the match before, and then there's Azumi versus Starlight Kid, and then there's a Julia match afterwards, which isn't bad, and but I'm not gonna I can't formally recommend it to you, so I don't even want to tell you about it. If you if you end up watching the video and you carry on, that's fine, but I'm not gonna recommend that match to you. And then there's a main event that is. No. How many matches are on this fucking well, a show? Lot of, a lot of matches. But there's a main event that somebody's going to tell you to watch this, and I'm telling you not watch it. Do not watch it. It's prominence versus the God's eye for the artists of style. No, you're good. You're good. Don't even don't listen to those people. Azumi, Starlight Kid, formally recommend, partially recommend Saya Kamatani and Hazuki. Okay? That's it. It's like Billy Corgan booked this show. How many <laughs> matches are on this thing? We got a venue for the NWA show in, uh, in uh, Chicago, by the way. What's the venue? It's at uh, some wedding venue in Highland Park, Illinois. So, oh, okay, a wedding yeah. venue. Okay. <laughs> I mean, go to their website. They're advertising a lot of wedding venues. Studio so One, it's the- <laughs> Studio One in Highland Park, Illinois. If you want to, uh, Studio well, is- Studio One Events LLC. And when it, when events is in the name of the uh, uh, arena, then oh arena. wait, I see it. So at three o'clock it's the Krakowski wedding, and at eight o'clock <laughs> right, it's the everybody's got to leave for Tyrus and Bully Ray. Yeah, then they're gonna break down and then there's a the bar mitzvah. And... There's a bar mitzvah in the morning that that'll be right. done by time. Yeah, yeah, the Rothstein bar mitzvah, and then the Krakowski wedding, and then uh, you notice how I used a Polish name because it's Chicago. Yeah, did good. You, good on you. Did yes. you note that attention to detail? Uh, <laughs> at first I didn't, but then yeah, I'm glad you yeah, I'm glad you pointed it out. So yes. Uh, about Studio One, this uh, recently designed event setting is a blank canvas with 13,000 square feet of world-class event space. A blank canvas. That means we just didn't do anything. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. fuck you. No, it's no, no. Put some room. work into it. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, we got an empty warehouse. You can do whatever you want with it. Oh, fuck off. Like, come on. <laughs> Assholes. Anyway, um, uh, world-class event space. It is just waiting for your imagination to bring your dream to life. And that dream is NWA 312. All this, and it's set right in the heart of Chicago's north side. The perfect combination, location, setting, and the ability to add your own personal touch. They really want you to add stuff to this place. Yes, you got to come with a whole fucking truck full of stuff because yeah. they got empty walls. Um, what could be better for your wedding, reception, party, work, or charity event? 
Uh, oh, this is good too. For work events or corporate meetings, you can include six breakout rooms as well. So if NWA three one two needs breakout rooms, they, they they have the ability to do so. So it has those removable walls, like my high school gym. <laughs> yes, right. That's what it has. Bleachers that they can <laughs> fold up into the walls. So. <laughs> those 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 uh, those partition walls that look like a, an accordion that you can just pull back, like you had in uh, gym class at uh, whatever high, that high school you mentioned earlier tonight. That that's. That's what they mean. Donna's <laughs> Grove North, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, so that is uh, that's that's so I'm recommending Zoomy Starlight Kid. Okay. That's it. That's the only uh, one I'm formally recommending. You'll, you'll so. give me the, yeah, I ain't even writing it down. You give me the link. I'll give you the link. You can watch it later. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'll get right to it. <laughs> maybe, maybe tonight. <laughs> Shoot to the top of my list. Maybe tonight. Oh, I just saw the most disturbing Jerry Lee Lewis. I, I went, <laughs> God damn it. I looked up Jerry Lee Lewis on my, uh, on Google and there's a, a picture. Oh, it's horrifying. It's that's it's that the 13 year old cousin feeding him a spoon of peas. Oh, come on, Rich. Oh, it's so gross. Oh, oh and she's got like braces because she's 13. Oh, <laughs> and he's oh. clearly in his like 30s. What are we? Oh, oh. God. Good Lord. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's get to Dragon Gate then. All right, you ready for Dragon Gate, Joe? I'm 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 so ready to, <laughs> to stop talk talking about, Dragon about Gate. Starlight Kid and Jerry Lee Lewis. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Dragon Gate was in Osaka this weekend for two Champion Gate in Osaka shows. Uh, of course, uh, if you want more Dragon Gate coverage, open the Voice Gate. We're only going to do about 20 minutes here, but open the Voice Gate on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, obviously, covers Dragon Gate better than any other podcast on earth. Uh, and reviews of both of these shows are also available at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, written, ironically enough. Uh, by the two hosts of Open the Voice Gate, Mike and uh, and Case. So there you go. Uh, now, so did you you watch their tag tournament stuff, correct? Or yeah, watch like yeah, yeah, most of the tag. Okay, so I didn't see any of the tag tournament. Anything that 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 stood out to you or that that must be watched? Um, you know, I there were some people in our Discord saying that like, oh, in the tag tournament, I've got like fifteen notebook matches. I don't know what matches they watched. Um, I thought. Most of the tag tournament was good, but, you know, like three and a quarter good. The one standout, I would say, from early in the tag tournament was uh, February 21st, Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kamei versus Yuki Yoshioka and uh, Madoka Kakuta. That one, I went four and a quarter. As far as the rest of the tag tournament, um, I really didn't think anything was, you know, there were a bunch of good matches, don't get me wrong, like, mm-hmm. you know, but but nothing that... I think people need to like rush out and find until the final, which I think was on, uh, yeah, three, the, um, March 2nd was the final. And I think you saw that match. That was, uh, uh Yuka Yoshioka and, and, and Kakuda versus, uh, Susumu. Uh, he's going by Susumu Mochizuki right now. And, right. and Yasushi Kanda, uh, that I thought was great. Yeah. That was a fantastic and, match. That was, that was really good. Yeah. I went four and a half on that one. And then, um, so though, of, of the tag tournament matches I saw, and I saw all the highly recommended ones because Case gave me a list. He didn't, you know, he he gave me a list of the stuff that was worth watching. Those, to me, were the two best, the 221 match and the um, and the final on 3-2. All right, so let's get to these Osaka shows then. So you had the two nights here, Champion Gate and Osaka night one, March 4th, and then March 5th for night two. I watched the entire shows, but I don't know if we want to necessarily go match by match or just kind of talk about the the, the big picture stuff because we're uh, a little pressed for time here. Uh, I will say on night one, I absolutely adored the Yamato versus Ishikawa match. 
Uh, he's now going by Kono Mama Ishikawa, the former stalker yeah. Ishikawa. I didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch? Oh, man. All right. No. So what, what happens here, I'll give you a quick recap of it. It's very quick because it's stalker Ishikawa. So he gets in the ring with Yamato. They go back and forth. Yamato just beats him in 30 seconds and, and moves on or whatever. So Yamato's ready to leave the ring. He's like, all right, it's stalker. I'm, I'm done or whatever. Starker gets in the mic and says, I want one more match. But you cannot lose by submit. You it must be knockout. It can't be pinfall. It can't be submission. You must win by knockout or whatever. So Yamato's like, all right, let's do this. Fine. So they they wrestle a little bit. Ishikawa gets a little bit of offense going. He's he's got it. You know he's he's feeling himself a little bit. This match goes about five minutes. Well, it gets to a point where Yamato is in the corner chopping away at Ishikawa. He's chopping, chopping. He chops him for like a two minutes straight. And Ishikawa was like, I give up, give up, give up, give up. And the referee's like, you said you didn't want to. You said no submissions, yeah. no submission. Yeah. And Ishikawa was like, no, give up, give up, give up. And, they're <laughs> yeah. like, and Yamato's like, you told me no. You said you didn't want submissions. Like you wanted. And he's yeah. like, ah, no, no, no. And then eventually he loses by count, a knockout or whatever because uh, yeah. it's stuck Ishikawa. But it's just he remains the best comedy wrestler in the world. Like there's nobody that touches him. When people say like, oh, you don't like comedy and wrestling no i like comedy and wrestling i like it when it's funny though the yeah. problem is all he, the comedy and wrestling that you all like is all terrible and not funny he thinks of new bits constantly yeah constantly this guy's been co- 20 years 20 years at it there's nobody as good as him the bumps he takes the the way he comes to the ring just everything about stalker ishikawa I, I i'm always gonna call him stalker ishikawa even no matter whatever his name is at that point he's just better than everybody else so no he is the all-time all-time legend uh, in terms of comedy wrestling. But yeah, other than that, uh, then you, the big two matches uh, that we'll talk about here, open the Brave Gate, uh, Jason Lee defeating uh, Minorita uh, to win the Brave Gate, and then the open the Triangle Gate title match, uh, Gold Class, which is Ben K, BB Hulk, uh, and Kota Minora defeating the M3K of Mochizuki Jr., Susumu Mochizuki, uh, and then uh, and, and then Kanda uh, as, as well. So uh, of those uh, matches, did anything stand out to you? Anything that really uh, caught your attention uh, about those two? I thought they were both really good. Uh, Jason Lee Minarita was did not overstay its welcome at all. Like a lot of Brave Gate matches historically, they usually will hit between, you know, eight and fifteen minutes a lot of the times, and that's perfect for the style of match. And and you know, Jason Lee is just so underrated. And I thought Minarita was great in the match, and they did the title change, which kind of tipped off that they weren't going to do the title change in the next match. I didn't think that they were going to do um, two title changes on on this night so i, I kind of tipped off to me that gold class was gonna was gonna win the main event but um no i thought both matches were excellent i i really enjoyed both of them yeah i i think uh jason lee remains like for a lot of people i think a lot of people don't because if you don't watch dragon gate you don't know I, this dude is like one of the more underrated wrestlers in the world right now i think he's just really 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 good i mean Rita, i love too i mean he he's i what's amazing about me and Rita, and i always bring it up is that he's small in Dragon Gate, like he, it looks tiny in Dragon Gate. I cannot imagine that human if you brought him in like any other normal show. You know what I mean? Like tiny, where Shingo used yeah. to look like a fucking monster in Dragon Gate, and then he goes to New Japan. You're like, oh, he's like a very normal sized human being. Minorita looks so small against these. Like Jason Lee hulks over this guy. Like I'll, I'll never forget when Diamante faced Minorita like last year, and Diamante looked like Andre the Giant next to this guy. And I know Diamante's probably like six one or something. Like he's not. I'm sure he's not a very big guy at all. But yeah, he just looked like a fucking monster uh, next to Minorita. But uh, yeah, Jason Lee is is, is awesome. And uh, yeah, Gold Class. I, I like what they're doing with the Gold Class because I I've I've always been a big proponent of Ben K uh, and I'm ready for Ben K to do bigger and better things but you know they, they've kind of figured out what to do with him a little bit here in, in, in gold class I still think the the ceiling's a little bit higher for him and that's probably going to come true hopefully in the next couple of weeks and months or, or whatever but uh, yeah I thought he looked great in here BB Hulk's feels a little refreshed after a while 
And then, uh, yeah, the M3K, Mochizuki Jr. is just a great, great rookie. Uh, and Susumu is still, you know, just fucking great. That, it got, yet again, you know, add 2023, another year where Susumu is a great wrestler. So, all right. We'll see you again in 2024 when we again declare Susumu a very good wrestler. So for the, what, 15th straight year or whatever, he's, he's going to be a good wrestler. So Yeah, and he was so good in the, in the tag final, Susumu. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's, so, he's, like so, he's still better than most other wrestlers on the planet. And he's... I mean, he's not a spring chicken. What is, what is he? He's got to be 40. 43, 44. Let me look this up. He just turned 45. Happy birthday to Susumu. Wow. February 18th, 45 years old. And he looks like, looks good, moves good, fine. He, he no longer has to pretend to dance in natural vibes, which is good. I hate natural vibes so much. I hate it. You're not to <laughs> clapping I along. I the entrance. I fucking hate it. It's just, I can't stand That's it. That's fair. Um, Susumu, I thought, was the best wrestler in the tag final, and then obviously in the the um, the triangle gate was mat- gate match was great too. He's yeah, I mean he's one of my all time favorites in terms of you know just bell to bell guys in in Dragon Gate, just a glue guy on the roster for two decades. Just you could put him in any role, and he just he's just always great. He's just rock solid, solid as fuck. Uh, and then the uh, night two, uh, we'll talk about the big matches here. Uh, unless anything else from the undercard that really stood out to you on, I only on night watched, one. I only watched the big match. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. That's the only ones I think are, are, are really worth talking about uh, for these. So the uh, night two, uh, you had two matches here. You had the uh, Natural Vibes uh, defending their Twin Gate titles against D-Courage, which is Kakuta uh, and Yuki uh, Yoshioka. And then the Open the Dream Gate match with Shun Skywalker defending his title against Strong Machine J, and successfully uh, both champions retain those. Twin Gate champions, Natural Vibes retain, uh, and open the Dream Gate, Shun Skywalker retains. What do you think of these two matches? So, the tag title match, I, I had them both at four and a quarter. They were both very good matches. I thought the tag title match um, was a lot of fun, and Kakuda and Yoshioka, I thought, were really good in the tournament itself. They were in most of the better matches of the tournament, and it was interesting because I, I had no feel for who was going to win the title match, and I went in unspoiled. I really thought they were going to win, so I was surprised when they didn't. Now, the Dreamgate match, I really liked a lot because I probably like Strong Machine J more than most people. I, I thought he was uh, great here. I loved him in this He match. was, and you know he, he hit that hammerlock suplex deal that no one's ever kicked out of, and Shun kicked out of it. And then he worked to get to it again, and if he would have hit it, he probably would have won. But then Shun did like a jackknife, you know, back bridge pinning combination and caught him. And Strong Machine J just sold it like he blew it. Like it was his opportunity to win the title. And he was right on the verge. And, and you know, Skywalker just caught him, you know, catch as catch can. And, and you know, I thought the, the, the whole match was very, very non-Dragon Gate. It was like a traditional world title match in structure and layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of slow moving at first, but it wasn't I don't mean that in a bad way though. You know what I mean? Like I, I thought yeah. I'm like, oh, this is they're they're doing this a little different here. They're working this a little different. It was a little bit more methodical and 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 not even in the way where they try to copy the long epics and fail. No, no, no. They were just having a good solid professional wrestling match. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't So that's what I mean like a, not a tr- like Dreamgate match where Dragon Gate always falls into that trap particularly during the golden years where they try to mimic the epic world title matches from the other Pearl promotions. And it just never worked because that's not what they do. And you still see that sometimes today, but not as much. This wasn't an attempt at that. This was just, 
really shoon wrestling strong machine jay's match and it just worked for me and i thought the finish was excellent and um you know i'm glad the title is back on skywalker i prefer him to yoshioka as the top guy and this match really connected with me the only you know i had i watched a ton of dragon gate the last two days and you know obviously i thought very highly of a lot of the matches particularly in the past week from uh not just from Osaka but also the the tag final from the second um earlier in the week so there were a bunch of matches that I thought were very good the problem I'm having with Dragon Gate still is it's soulless to me I I am not emotionally connecting with anybody on this roster it's just and it, it sounds weird to say but I'm watching all of these matches that I think are pretty great but they're, they're hard it's like a you're not feeling you're not feeling anything from it yeah i'm not feeling anything and i have to take breaks like i'm like all right i'll come back later because it's like I, i'm just not into the personalities the promotion doesn't have the fun life that it used to have and the one thing i always what's the what i what would always say about dragon gate for years on this show was we wouldn't watch dragon gate or i wouldn't watch dragon gate for like two months or whatever and then i'd do a crash watch and i would be like man dragon gate is like that old relationship, the old the girl you should have never broke up with. Because, and then I'd be like, I'm so into this. I can't believe I stopped watching. Now when I watch Dragon Gate, I have to adjust my analogy. Now it's, yeah, it's the girl that I broke up with and I see why we were together, but I also understand why we're not. It's the feeling is you got, gone. You've moved on. You guys have both moved on. Yes, the feeling is gone. I'm not feeling it anymore. I, and, and, and we're in different places and this, and, and, you know, that's my analogy now. I just, and I want it, I want to love it. And I can't, I can't love this version of Dragon Gate. I think there's a bunch of very skilled wrestlers that to me are lack, they, every single one of them are lacking something that you can't put your finger on. And the spirit and the joy and what made Dragon Gate different from everything else during those golden years is gone for me. It's gone for me. It, it, it's it's that fun factor that it used to have. It isn't there anymore. Well, I, I, just, I, I think a, a part of it is, and, and I kind of went through a similar thing as well, where, where I, I think I've kind of gotten out of it too, but I, I had a similar thing for a long time. And I think what, what what's probably the good way to approach this in, in the future, if you're, if you know, is not thinking of Dragon Gate as what it was, even if you want hell, they changed their name. So you can you can consider Dragon Gate with the space the old Dragon Gate and this new Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate. You know, the, the all one word or whatever. It's no longer like old classic Dragon Gate felt like it came from a different planet. When you watched it, you were like, "What the hell am I? This is wild. This is like unlike anything else going on in wrestling." Like Michinoku Pro had that in the nineties too. You had all Japan yeah, yeah. and New Japan, and then you had the shoot style stuff coming out or whatever. And then you pop on, you know, a Michinoku Pro, and you're like, "What in the fuck did I? What am I watching here? This is from a different planet." And that's what Dragon Gate was for a while. It just felt so wholly different than everything else that was going on in Japan and everything else going on in the world of wrestling. And it's just not anymore. And that's not that's nothing against Dragon Gate. Like, I still think Dragon Gate is really, really good. It's just not special like it was anymore. It's not that different anymore. And this match that we're talking about here with Shun Skywalker and Strong Machine J kind of speaks to that. This is a, just a solid as fuck Japanese wrestling main event. You know what I mean? This is a pro main event that you could see, you would see on on an All Japan show, on a Big Japan show, on a on a on a, on a Wrestle One show, and that's not you know I'm not 
that's good. Like I loved it. I, I thought it was a really, really good match, but it wasn't from a different. It wasn't totally unique and totally from a different planet like those old classic Dragon Gate shows were. I think that's maybe where I've had to tackle it is realizing this is just another, you know, Japanese indie and not necessarily Dragon Gate. And if I do, if I go in it like that, I think I appreciate it a little bit more as opposed to always trying to chase that feeling of, oh, it's, you know, it's Dragon Gate. Oh, it's not quite what it used to be. Not quite what it used to be. And I'm not saying that like you have to grade it on a curve or whatever, but it helped me just kind of say, all right, you know what? That Dragon Gate is, is dead and gone and never coming back. And now here is, in its place, a pretty damn good Japanese indie with a lot of really, really good young wrestlers. And I'm enjoying it, even if it doesn't feel and look like it used to, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm out. I've given up. I, it's never going to hit me on that level ever again. That era is over. And that happens in a lot of promotions. And I think that that generation of wrestlers, and there's still a couple of them hanging around. We just talked about Susumu, right? And there's others on the roster. Um, but that time and place is done. And I think because those guys were so good for so long, up and into the early 40s, and it seemed like it was like this own little world of ageless wonders who were just going to exist in this space forever. And time marches on, man. It, 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 it you know, and you know, a lot of those guys aren't even there anymore. And, and to me, it just, it, it's, it doesn't have the heart that it used to have. It's just another promotion. And there's a lot of good young wrestlers there, but um, you know, maybe that's the, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to say maybe we didn't appreciate how great it was in real time. Cause I think we did, you know, when Shima and Shingo and Tazawa and Yoshino and Doi and, and BB Hulk wasn't a shell of himself, although he's, you know, he's actually he's coming back a little bit. Yeah. He, he's, yeah he's, he's been, this gold class thing has helped him um, out a lot. Yeah, it has, um, you know, and, 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 and just that era where everyone was, and then, you know, even, 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 you know, some of the guys beneath that level, your, your Kajatoras and, you know, um, you know, and, and it, it, it's, that was a special place in time. And, and it, 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 maybe it's unfair to expect the, this current generation to be able to have um, that same crowd connection and that same heart that that other group had, because maybe that was just a special time and place. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I got to stop coming on here and, and, and having this same, kind of lamenting of what Dragon Gate isn't right right if we're gonna if we're gonna continue to watching Dragon Gate and I, I still obviously want to is it, I just think you need to now just consider it another one of the indies consider it's it a different promotion right it's, consider it all Japan just like all Japan's a different promotion it's not fair yeah, to to correct. judge current Kento Miyahara based on Masai it's not even literally it's literally not the same company anymore it's just the same company right. in name that's kind of what you have to do with Dragon Gate too for better, for yeah. worse. And, and there's obviously a little bit more connective tissue between, you know, old Dragon Gate and, 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 and current Dragon Gate than there is for, you know, some other companies. But yeah, I think that's probably the healthy way to do it is just consider them another Japanese indie. And when you do that, I think it, it does help you kind of say, all right, I'm not, I'm not chasing that high. I'm not trying to meet that woman or whatever, like you know, the, the old girlfriend or whatever. It's like, I, you know, I moved on to other things. I moved on to other people. It, it's fine. And that's okay. You can still enjoy it, but not necessarily have to chase that high. That that's just you're never going to get that high again. It's just not. You're just not going to get it again. Yeah, maybe it's better that it has a different logo and a different name, and you know, because to me, it is. It's 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 very different. Um, you know, and uh, it is what it is. You know, so um, I either have to take your approach and just enjoy it for what it is, or just fucking move on. And the matches are like I said, I just watched a bunch of really good matches, so it's not like. 
they got a lot of talent on there. And I, they I, do. There was times talent. where I would tell you, you know what, you're probably fine just ditching them. But I, I think yeah, they're yeah. coming together with a pretty good amount of talent these days. And I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet against all of these guys. You know what I mean? There's just too many guys here, but I, I get it. I, I'm with you that these guys you know don't hit is? me on the same it's, level. Like a Shun Skywalker, who I love does not hit me on the same level. Yoka Yoshioka, who I like doesn't uh, hit me on. So he's dull. not like, he's he doesn't. Dull as dirt. He's just dull yeah. Kakuda is, is, is good, but obviously he's kind of gimmicky with, with the big butt and all that sort of stuff or whatever. Uh, big R. I know that you're not a big, big R. I, I think Ben K, if they ever did kind of get back with Ben K, I think he, he does I stand like out. Package. I think he's showing a yeah. lot of, personality for the first time really in a long time um they, look they have really excellent wrestlers this is how this is the best way i could describe dragon gate they are the promotion right now that has like the the, the highest number of quality matches that i just have the least amount of interest in yeah and, just, and that's I fair cannot get into this roster and um it ain't it just ain't gonna happen you know, so I'm done making trying to make it happen. I'm gonna watch the hype stuff, and um, I'm gonna stop watching it through the lens of why isn't this working for me? Like it works for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And at some point, you just have to accept that. Yeah, that's fine. And, and that's yeah, I, I think that's it a healthy. Feels way like to go I'm about going it. through a breakup. Like I'm talking that's, myself. Well, you know, have I like everyone listening to this has had this conversation? Right. With, Someone, with, everybody wants to pat you on the back and just say it's okay, it's all right, Joe. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, like you've had this conversation with in a breakup. Like, ah, you know, it just you have to admit it doesn't feel the same anymore. Like we've all said this, <laughs> and I'm I'm talking about a wrestling promotion. You know, but it, it meant a lot heart. to you. Hey, no, this wrestling promotion it, meant a lot to you. So it did mean a lot to me, and then it's over. It's it's fucking over, <laughs> and I, I'm coming to grips with the fact that it's over, and I gotta let it go. It, it's sad in a way. It is. It is. But I uh, could go watch the old tapes. I mean. That'll make it worse. No, don't leave do that. No, 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 don't do that. That's bad. Yeah, you, you definitely leave the memories alone. Uh, leave sometimes the memories you, alone. You can go back and watch some of them, but you know. Listen, d- listen. I think it's best if you don't text me. Okay, we'll just we, we just got to make it a clean break. <laughs> right, we can't see each other. We can't you hang know, out. Yeah, no hanging out. Don't text me. Okay, no you ups. I'm not um, gonna say you up. Kakuda's wrestling. You know, none, none of that. Listen, I'm gonna give you a few weeks to finish Mad Men, but I'm changing the Netflix password. We gotta just. <laughs> You know, so let me know when you're when you finish up your shows because I think we just got a clean break. This that's what this is right now. All right, so well, unfortunately we had to go a clean break on this flagship uh, as well because that is it for us. We are out of time. Uh, anyway, VoicesOfWrestling.com for all the previews, reviews, and columns of all the shows that we talked about today. Uh, the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, we mentioned the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, brand new uh, podcast that we added to the network from Jesse Collings. We also have Open the Voice Gate, which I mentioned uh, earlier as well. You have the flagship that's on there. And by the way, all of these shows have their own feeds as well as a full-on network feed as well. If you want to subscribe to all these shows, just the show you want to, it's all there. Days of Thunder, WCW Thunder, Retrospective Podcast. Eurograps Express. I'm going to get them all, Joe. You don't think I'm going to get them all? I'm going to get them all. Eurograps Express. Talking about the world of European wrestling. Five-star match game. The wrestling game show hosted by Joe uh, Gagne. Jumping Bomb Audio, our Joshi-specific show. Music of the Mat, the great music of the Mat, hosted by Andrew Rich. Lucha Jobbers, our Spanish language. Uh, I don't know. They could be burying us constantly. We'll never know. Joe, do you know? I don't know. They probably are. They probably are. I wouldn't blame them. 
Ricardo and uh, Abraham should be burying us. We stink. But uh, Lucha Jobbers, if you're a Spanish speaker, uh, there you go. You got Lucha Jobbers. Those guys have great insights on the world of wrestling, too. So that's a They're great. They're calling us basura. I don't, know what <laughs> right? that, I don't know what that means, but I hear but it I a lot. But I know it's They're not like, good. I know it's like, not good. Uh, they're like, hey, Joe, hey, Rich, basura. That's what they yeah. say all the time. I, 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 I assume that means we're great. I assume I that know. they mean they, great opinion yet again by Joe and Rich. Yes. So I thank uh, Abraham and Ricardo for that uh, as well. Open the voice gate. I mentioned them again, covering the world of Dragon Gate. Shake them ropes, covering all of the world of wrestling. Super Jcast, covering the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. The Emerald Flow Show, Noah, and All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, obviously, the flagship is the flagship. You know about that. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, taking a, a higher look at the world of wrestling and pop culture and all the other stuff. The good, the bad, and the hungry covering AEW. And then finally, you've got to be kidding me, covering retro TNA and Impact Wrestling with Garrett and Liam. If I missed you, I apologize. I think I got them all, though. That, that... Now, you, you went on the Red Circle page and went in order. I was, <laughs> I was following along. <laughs> I no, I mean I did, but I, I I know him at this point. I got him. I may have missed. Um, I may have missed the Lucha Jobbers. I do feel bad for those guys. I, I may have missed them. They, you did. We just we did a whole bit with the Lucha Jobbers. I know. I know. I, I'm but saying on a normal day, I may have missed them, but not not because of any reason in particular. It's just because you I'm, can't listen to. Because I yeah, so. I, I don't know. What the, I'm sure it's good. I know those guys have great insights on wrestling, but I just I, you know I don't. There was one I listened to like forty five minutes of an episode once, and I was like, "Why?" Why? I, that I was thinking, I, maybe I'll pick up on. I was like, "No, nah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know." So, but I've I've been told by Spanish speakers that they do a fantastic job. So uh, that's again on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, subscribe, whatever podcast app you use, uh, or they're all available on our website as well, voicesofwrestling dot com. Also, the Discord, uh, voicewrestling.com slash Discord, if you want to jump on there. And last but not least. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling, VoicesOfWrestling dot com slash Patreon or flagship Patreon.com uh, to hear more of Joe and I. Uh, Five dollar, ten dollar tiers uh, there at flagship Patreon.com. So that is it. That is Joe. I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode I grill three contestants with five rounds of power packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.